back, everyone, to another episode of the Fickner Podcast. I gotta tell you, we switched formats, and it's weird, but mm-hmm. I'm excited to get used to it. Um, I'm Brandon C. McClure, with you uh, on not a Sunday. We are not doing this on a Sunday, uh, which has really kind of messed up my week. I hope it's messed up yours as well. Um, <laughs> I'm here this week with Sparks Witty. I am here. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello, it is me. Welcome back. We're here to talk about some dead things, and I couldn't be more excited. Now, unfortunately, today, Ben Magnet could not be with us, but uh, he's here with us in spirit. Unfortunately, the Deadites got him, so... Ah, that's all your soul, dead by dawn! I'm, but... in, I'm in Hawaii! <clears throat> yeah, he's in Hawaii. I don't feel bad. <laughs> right. Um, I, was, I was looking forward to reviewing this movie with him, but you know what? Uh, he do he do love his vacations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, someone's got to take him. I wish it could be me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, hi guys. How are you guys today? Uh, we have a new we have a new format. We have a new well not a new format but a new uh, 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 OS system or whatever. What is this called? Ryan? Just uh, we're just up in the production value just a tiny bit. Uh, just throwing things together. Uh, I love Streamyard. I think Streamyard's great. We used it. You know, the pandemic really helped us stay alive. I think it really helped. Um, but like StreamYard's cool, but it's really limited. And like in the sea of podcasts, everybody uses StreamYard. And like, I just want us to look a little bit different, a little bit better. You know, this is a first attempt here. We're also just talking about a horror movie. So I made it look horrific, but like, Hey man, we got a, we got a Photoshop master over here. We can cook up some sweet layouts. Uh, we'll figure it out and it'll just be, you know, just trying to give you guys a better looking show. Cause this isn't a video show as much as it is an audio show. We're always trying to improve. Yeah. True. Um, last week we got to 300, uh, 300, uh, subscribers on YouTube and, uh, good, good time now as any to, to upgrade. Yeah. And, uh, sooner or later we will have like an actual studio, which will be really fun. So it's just, you know, it's only, it's only, it's only going uphill, turning up Millhouse, yeah. coming up Millhouse. Well, uh, before we get into our weeks, uh, we have some links in the description. Oh, is this true? Uh, my, my, uh, well... By the time you're rewatching this and listening to this, there will be links in the description. There I'm not go. sure if they're there when we're live. Yeah. Um, but uh, for for um, people, the rewind and listeners, check out some links, uh, such as my CBR um, articles are still up there. Um, I don't think anything went up this week, but yeah, check them out. Um, I have a piece as well about Star Trek Legacy that went up last Monday. Um Basically, I'll get into it in my in my week, but um, uh, Star Trek Picard is not necessarily the end of the road for a lot of these characters. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming for a while. Uh, that uh, the showrunner Terry Metalis, uh, showrunner of Twelve Monkeys, he really wanted to keep going. He wanted to do another Star Trek show, and so he's been talking about what that would be called, where where it would go, what it would be. It sounds really interesting and really exciting, and so I just. Threw my hat in the ring uh, of, of many writers talking about how much they want this show and just talked about how cool the show would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's there in the description as well as it's an episode of Grayson Live. Uh, just one. Um, I did not watch it, so I'm not going to be Ben and try to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, But check it out. Grayson's a cool guy. Uh, his collaborations with Ben are really fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Dean Dark, uh, the latest episode last week, uh, ended. I did listen to this one. It ended their night at the museum arc. Well, not, not really Fright. ended it, but like Fright at the museum. Fright at the museum, right? Well, not really ended it. Uh, 
leads into something. It's a very fun episode. Uh, ben was very excited to talk about it uh, with us for months because of a certain thing that happened. Um, I won't spoil it in case anybody, in case you guys haven't listened to it yet. And, um, uh, and so it's unfortunate that he's not here to talk about it. But yeah. So or maybe, goes. or maybe fortunate because he'd probably let a spoiler out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now there is, um, smart K pause mini. I'm going to read my own handwriting for a second. Sure. Smart K pause mini. A new episode went out last week. Uh, Sparks, you put it up. Ben recorded an episode with G to the next level. That's correct. I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah, they talk about um, hidden hidden gem games within the Sega system. Sega. Uh, games people don't talk about a lot, but are worth checking out, according to G to the next level. Is he a, is he a Sonic fan? I don't know. Collecting all the Sonic fans that aren't you. Yeah, right. <laughs> was a Sonic and a Sega episode back to back. I was like, this this feels targeted. Fool me once, shame on you. Um, as uh, well as you can uh, check out um, my penultimate episode of Fake Nerds Watch Star Trek Picard. Uh, so that'd be episode nine, Vox. Mm-hmm. Really good episode. Oh my god, some of the stuff that happened in the episode is so cool. But um. Uh, my also fan penultimate episode with Cookie. I'll talk more about Starship Picard in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's up there. Um, super emotional coming to the end of the road for many things. And finally, conversation. Thank goodness we were late uh, to record this episode <laughs> because my conversation episode is up. It's finally out. Love it. Love it. Um, I did delay it from the initial release date uh, because I had recorded. Um, obviously the interviews are pre-recorded, but my stuff comes much later. And so it's been a long time since I've recorded the show. So I was, I, I did a couple passes and I wasn't happy with any of them. I mumbled, I rambled. It, just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And I was like, you know what? Changing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, uh, as you know, if you listen to it already, I have a new theme, uh, composed by Jeremy Bellucci, uh, to go with the new logo, um, I changed some of the sound effects. I'm very excited about. Um, I'm so excited about this stupid thing, but cause I'm not really. I know I edit the show and I edit conversation, but I'm not really great at audio editing. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm gonna really like learn some stuff. And one of the things I really wanted was a sound effect, uh, a dial click, um, for um, like a radio clicking on. Mm-hmm nanosecond worth of audio and I was just like meticulously putting in the right place to make it sound like it started the episode and ended the episode at exactly the right moment and a lot of fun sure that's the, um, that is the joy of editing yeah yeah and uh, so so anyway uh, enough about my dial clicking sound effect the interview is very good um, I really like talking to Karis Lund who is my guest for that episode to talk about her show Journey into Fandom um, it's been a long time. Season two has been a long time in the making, and I'm really excited to finally get that first episode out. I hope everyone enjoys it, uh, or have enjoyed it if you were to listen to it. And I can't wait for everybody to hear what's coming. Can't wait to hear it. The rest of it, all of that's, it. That's that's all the links. Who wants to go first of the week? Mm, okay, Ben, why don't you go first? Ben, <laughs> <And> please. <laughs> Uh, Can you imagine if he was just in the chat right now? Just bro, you're in Hawaii. I'll 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 go. Um, I don't have a lot. 
Um, so I'll tell you that I, uh, felt kind of bad because I fell behind on my manga that I was caught up on. So I was like, there can't be that much to catch up on. And with Chainsaw Man, there actually is. I fell a little far behind. So that's going to take me a little bit. So instead of Chainsaw Man, I went for the ones that are shorter and going to take me less time to catch up on. So Kaiju number eight, totally caught up again. I had about six to go. Um, so brought myself all the way back up to speed. Great manga. We're in the middle of like a kind of busy arc. I kind of had to be like reorient myself and be like, what's happening right now? Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an easy read. Uh, and then Dragon Ball Super. Which I'm, oh, I didn't make it yeah. all the way through. Um, I think I still have two chapters. But I did get through some. So some of the Dragon Ball superhero lead-up stuff they're doing with Goten and Trunks and Krillin knowing that the Red Ribbon Army was trying to get in contact with Hedo, which makes me go, like, how did this movie even happen? Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's cool. It's cool. I, I, I like... I like a Goten Trunks adventure manga. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's a lot of fun. What I have a problem with still is the manga skipping like three years or something where Goku and Vegeta are just blanket training on Wisa- on Beerus's planet. And that's, that's, that is the canon answer of like, what were they doing for three years? Training. Um, okay, sure. I guess. Uh, and that's, that's where I remain with that. Um, Highly recommend like catching up on Kaiju number eight. I, I do think that that's a, that's really solid. There's not uh, a ton else I can talk about that I did that isn't like related to stuff that's gonna come out on the podcast. So like Mando, obviously watched it. There's an episode coming out this week, probably tomorrow if you're watching this live. So it'll be up at this moment for most of the people who are catching out. So like it's there. Like <laughs> I t- uh, there's not a lot for me to say about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some comic stuff also related to the show. Um, so the other thing I'll talk about is that um, I encountered through an audio adventure a bone chimera, um, oh. a werewolf, a Frankenstein monster. I listened to D and Dark, um, but not all, all of it. I've listened to most of what came out last year. So I think I have, I'm on the last episode from last year. I think that's 12 episodes in or something. Um, yeah, it's a good show. Uh, people should check out DN Dark, especially if you like the monster stuff. Uh, there's there's a lot of creative storytelling going on. I really enjoyed it. So I had a lot of, lot of time uh, because I caught up on a different podcast feed. And before I went back to another one that I'm like, way back in November on to catch up. I was like, maybe I should listen to Ben's uh, (laughs) tabletop uh, podcast before I go back to November on another show. Damn Uh, damn good show. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, They're doing a great job over there. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like uh, my, my weekend got really slowed down on trying to do any uh, nerd stuff because we had guests all weekend. So like uh, I've been busy. Mm -hmm. I I don't. uh, And then I've been working on stuff for the show. So, that's it. It's me. It's me. Um, I also didn't do a lot. Uh, the only thing I did was I continue to live in a galaxy far, far away by consuming nothing but Star Wars content all day, every day. Um, 
I oh. am. Oh, sorry. Please, you just ahead. reminded me. So, I'm sorry. I did show the first chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say first chunk, I mean all the way up to the moment when Anakin becomes a Jedi Knight. The first half. Of the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars uh, series. With I watched it with my mom and my sister-in-law. Um because we were talking about like oh dipping into Clone Wars and like my my wife wasn't around and she's already watched that part, um, but really what what I think they should watch is Rebels for Ahsoka. But anyway, we watched that man. That's that's good shit. That's just good shit. Yeah, that I, I I was I watched the first half with you and I'm like man I forgot how awesome this is. Man. I I will always be thankful that for one reason or another when Filoni came in to make the 3D series and like everyone else that was involved George Lucas still at the time and everything with the 3D Clone Wars series that they decided not to retread the Tartakovsky opening yeah. so that it remains canon basically um, I mean you can have your debates about like General Grievous's discrepancies between the two and Mace Windu being OP and that kind of thing but like the general trajectory of Anakin and Asajj Ventress. This is how Count Dooku recruited her. This is how Anakin became a Jedi. Like that's that's the thing that happens before the three D series starts. So like, cool, A plus. Glad it's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were uh, getting ready to see the um, uh, the Phantom Apprentice episodes for the Clone Wars season seven. We were uh, Sparks and I talked a lot about how uh, we we didn't want them to do the uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, episodes again the Tartakovsky episodes because there's a Anakin Obi-Wan version of those events and we were we were hoping that we wouldn't see those events from Ahsoka's point of view and like move Anakin and Obi-Wan away from that situation to kind of make it non-canon but I was really happy when we got those episodes and basically what happens is Anakin and Obi-Wan go do that adventure about halfway through the first episode (laughs) yeah um yeah it's it's very much like a well Anakin and Obi-Wan's adventure can't quite line up with where it ends to get into episode three in the Tarkovsky series in comparison to like the modern one but like outside of that everything about Grievous going down to the planet and taking Palpatine again your discrepancies about how Grievous behaves in that series versus everything else is like yeah sure but like they didn't redo the abduction of Palpatine and all that. And I, I still remain appreciative of that because I'm like, that's good content. That's just there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, let's see. Oh, I, most of the thing I played all of the, uh, uh, Lego Skywalker saga, uh, uh, this week. Uh, all those episodes are like, like they're all like an hour and a half. So like, it's not actually a lot of game. Like it's all the extra shit. That's going to take me a thousand hours. Right. And I just, I beat that game and I had like 400 of the Kyber, the Kyber crystals or whatever. And it's like out of 1200. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's a lot. <laughs> I already put like 15 hours that I'm only a third of the way through this. And I'm like, so I did a bunch of the extra stuff and it's a lot of fun. Um, it is definitely a great podcast game. Like it is just fun to like run around with the Mandalorian and the armorer, like uh, just like knocking out fools. And like, honestly, my favorite game, which is what will transition me into my next Star Wars thing, was all the, I didn't know there was so much space fighting and so much dog fighting mm. in that game. And there will be random giant capital ships that fly in that you can take out for like extra gold and you can capture them and stuff. And I'm like, this is all awesome mm-hmm. and not necessary. Like they could have, this. it could have just been those nine movies, but they put so much shit, extra shit in there. And like it is, that is a, like, I, if I hope they do this, like, I, they have to be doing the Infinity Saga, right? They have to be doing that. That's what they're that's what they're doing cool, next, right? Like they have to like they don't have to do like hour and a half like twenty movies, but like there's no way they're not making a giant Marvel because this is like this is incredible. And if they do this for Marvel, like that's what I really want. Like I love Star Wars, man, but like 
I don't know if that's a guarantee because they did do like um, the Lego Marvel Avengers game is essentially phase one. Um, How many Star Wars is... Lego games came out? No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, it did poorly. Like yeah. it, it, oh, didn't, yeah. it didn't do well. I also heard so, it wasn't like super great. Right. Um, yeah. So I, 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 all I mean is that that's not necessarily a guarantee. No, because of like, especially like the backlash they got even in making this game uh, for how they handled it in studio, like, yeah, I just I think wouldn't, I wouldn't. I see, I see that I see the vision of like how you can do this with those movies and like sure. and like don't make them like just do like thirty minute little movies. Yeah, yeah. And like I just see like oh man, like that would be so perfect, and you have all your heroes and because like I went to, I went back to Marvel, uh, uh, Marvel superheroes. I think that's what's called it's two, the one with Kang and all that stuff. And I'm yeah. like, it's also a PS4 game, so like. It's like it's just like it's just a complete down. It's it's a fine game, but like after playing Skywalker Saga, then going to that game, I'm like, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I can't go back to any Lego game ever again after this. One. <laughs> this no, for real, because like the gameplay, the game, like if the gameplay wasn't so good, I wouldn't have played it all the way through. Sure. Because like these Lego games, like even this one, like it is still the same Lego games it's been. It's just like the gameplay is better. Uh, it looks great. Like they gave it the biggest budget of all time. Sure. Um. So like yeah, this one's a this one's a banger. It's great. Um. I got Bobu Frick and I freaked out. I love it. I, I love Babu Frick. He's great. Uh, <laughs> um, you just, there was a Babu Frick sound, Brandon, that you didn't hear, and one day you will hear it, because I got a soundboard and Babu Frick's on it. Um, moving on to more Star Wars, um, because I wanted more doggy fights, uh, I started, I restarted for like the fourth time Star Wars Squadrons. I've been thinking about it. Because <laughs> that's a game I've been I thinking bought. about it for like two weeks. That's a game I bought like two years ago, and I started it, and I played a couple missions, and I'm like, I'll get back to it, and then I did that a couple months later, and then a couple months later... <laughs> I really love that game. I, I blew through the whole thing. Yeah, so I I was like, I'm just gonna, I need to, I, I have such a problem with not finishing things. I'm just gonna do it. So I beat Skywalker Saga, and then I started Squadrons, and I'm like, I don't know how long that game is. I don't think it's super long, uh, but I'm like, I think I'm like halfway through. And Brand, like, Brandon beat it, so it can't be that long. Yeah, so like, I think I'm like halfway through. Um, But like, <laughs> the characters, the characters are like, they're, they're fine, they're good, but like, you know, I see Hera show up, and like, that's the first time Hera shows up, like, you know, outside of Rebels, and I'm like, oh yeah, this game is cool. And like, it is doing a lot of... The, the extra setup of post post uh, uh, episode six stuff sure. and like Grand Admiral Sloan who is the person who is the person getting all of the Empire together for the First Order like she's in this game and I'm like oh yeah this game like is kind of important and like you know for for stuff and I'm like I'm glad I'm playing it uh, you they let you customize both the the Empire and the Rebel like character you play. But it's so shallow and hollow, like, I don't even know why they did that. Because, like, your character barely talks, you barely see them on screen. Um, and I'm like, you should have just, like, picked the character, because, like, this is kind of shallow. It was it was something where I was sitting there when, I, like, just the amount that I played at the game, and I was like, this should just be an item versio. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't care that, like, I can't put my customization on it. Like, if, it's, if we're telling the story, tell the story, this should be a character I care about. Yeah, like, all the lines are, I'm like, yeah, like, you got it, Admiral. It's just, like, all, like, the most generic lines, and I'm like, why... You could have just made a character, um, but yeah, that game, the gameplay is really great. I just learned how to drift again, and you know, doing like Tokyo style drifts in space. Uh, it's just that's a good. Really, time. you really feel like one of those times where you are that player uh, in Wreck It Ralph, where you're playing at the arcade. You go to the Bug Planet, and you are the robot that everybody oh, clears sure. the way for, and they're like, "All right, recruit, we're gonna get you in there," yeah, and yeah, like yeah. everybody kind of folds around you, but you're freaking oh. nobody. <laughs> It's probably it's also made for VR. Did you get it in VR? No, because my computer can't handle it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to so bad. Um, but like I was like, ah, it's not. That enough. would be insane on the VR headset. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, definitely. And that game was made for VR because like the story mode, it's you just like looking around things. 
Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no like you doing anything. But uh, that's not besides the point. Uh, game's great. Gameplay's great. It was a budget game, so I'm not mad that I didn't pay full price for it. You know, sure. two years ago, great game. Um, I am almost all the way through. Jedi Survivor Battle, Battle Scars, Scars, which is the prequel novel to the game that comes out in a couple days. Hell yeah. Uh, that book is totally fine. I'm enjoying it. It's a great read. Uh, it's very, it's pretty fluffy. It is, I'll, I'll be honest, reading it right after reading like Heir to the Empire and Thrawn, they're just operating at different levels. Right, um, sure. And that's, that's fine. This is a very, I hate to call it like young adult. It feels kind of young adult in a way, the, the way it's written. And the biggest problem I have, and again, I am enjoying it, the biggest problem I have uh, is the way that it's written as if just, like, it's, like, it takes place in, like, 2023 Southern California. A lot of the dialogue doesn't feel like Star Wars dialogue. And that's a weird thing to say, but the things that characters say, it does, no character would say it in Star Wars. It's just one of those things where, like, you know fantasy movies, like, they kind of have their own way of speaking. Star Wars kind of has, like, its own, sure. like, they're not being, like, crazy. There's a lot of, like, man, Cal's got game! And, like, a lot of, like, really youthful, again, like, it's not necessarily a problem being that, but... I, I know what you're talking about i will push back a bit to say that like as star wars has progressed through the generations i think more and more of that does slip in sometimes it's them trying to find a star warsy way to say the same thing Mm -hmm. but sometimes it is that they're just trying to like slang speak in the only reason why it gets weird to me is because like while the generations are moving forward to experience this Mm -hmm. the storytelling is going back and forth through the timeline so like we're going backwards to people saying phrases that didn't possibly exist before a new hope. I'll tell you the and phrase so- that got me. It's that the narrator described a girl as a hot goth girl, and then one of the characters called her a hot goth girl. Sure. That that just it's just one of those things where I right. hear it and I'm like, this sounds weird to me. And, this and it's, is, a lot of the book is like that. And this is what I was gonna say is that what I've noticed more. Uh, I haven't gotten to that phrase, but like what I've noticed more is less that what people what the characters are saying is bothering me, but what the narrator, uh, narrator and what the inside narration of the characters' heads will be has been like, mm, Cal, this feels very not Star Wars. I was really hoping this book would give me more character insight for all these characters, and it's kind of doing it for a lot of them, but, like, Cal is still just, like, a dweeb, and I'm not really... He's, like, the least important character in the book. It's really, it's really, This is a Marin book. It's about Marin and her girlfriend. Like, spoiler, this is, this is a super... Uh, Sam Maggs, the writer, on Twitter, she was like, y'all... I want you to know this is one of the gayest books you will ever read. And, like, it it truly is. It is a, it is a almost, like, erotic novel at times. I'm not joking. Like, it gets, like, like almost pornographic. And, like, I was listening to this at work. I'm going, y'all, this is hot. Was This is... For, <laughs> no, for, for Star Wars? It's like, for real. Like, it is, like... Ryan it, texted me today. He's like, yo, how far are you? And I was like, I mean, not as far as you. Why? And he's like, this, this book's getting really erotic. It's just, like... It's about, like, it's two girls, like, slowly falling in love, and it's just, like, it's, the it's like, the major focus of the book, and, I, and like, that's not a problem for me. Like, it just, it just might be one of those things where, like, maybe this book isn't for me. And it's not, none of it's bad, it's just, it's very fluffy, and again, I'm going right from Thrawn, where it's hardcore Star Wars, like, deep in the trenches, where this is, like, it's a side story to a video game that's not really important. Well, and that's, and it's, it's Marin that that's happening with, yeah. right? So you think that, like they're going to have that relationship be a focal point in the game that we're going to see it. So this was a way to, because it is going to be thrust into the game as already existing, Mm -hmm. this was a way to give it like deeper representation. And so because of that and that becoming the focus of like, this is why we're going to tell this story, Cal becomes 
less important not only that but because his major character developments have to happen in the game that's the thing too it's like there are certain things happening uh, there are certain things that I really like where mm. it, it makes game references. So, like, you know how in Fallen Order, like, you had to, you, like, use stim packs to heal yes. yourself? They make references that in the thing, like, oh, BD had to pass me a lot of stims for that fight. And, like, that's, like, a fun in, inside jokey thing I'm cool with. Uh, uh, but the, it's just something, it's, so, uh, the way this book is written, that I'm just like, I just, it, it might be a personal thing, I need it to be a little more Star Wars. Sure. It feels like it feels like a book that has a Star Wars coding as opposed to a Star Wars book that is also a drama. You know what I mean? Like, I'm again, I'm really liking it. Um, I think it's pretty funny. Uh, but but overall, I'm like, I could tell why this was a side story because like, the plot itself, like, this could have been like a one shot comic issue. Really, that's being expanded to 250 pages or whatever. Um, I'm I'm glad to have read it. Uh, to have like I got like three more hours left on the audiobook. Um, the audiobook's awesome, and let me tell you, anytime there's a Star Wars audiobook, all the music's there. So you know mm-hmm. when when Cal's fighting a Inquisitor, the Duel of the Fates is playing, and when something sad's happening, the Episode Three, oh, you know that lady, that sad lady, mm-hmm. uh, that's happening. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting emotional at work. Uh, just that's just John Williams. That's not probably the book. Um, yeah, so, um, I probably did more Star Wars stuff than that. Oh, I read a comic, but that's for the book club. Um, I'm watching every show that I'm continuing to watch. I'm still watching Yellow Jackets. That's great. Succession. That's great. I'm watching Lost. It's great. That's me. Are you, are you going to start listening to Stormwatch? Is that like this, what is that? Is that I sent simple? you a thing about that Joanna Robinson's Lost podcast. Oh, I already have. Oh, yeah, I, I listened to it before, uh, okay. before you sent me that, actually. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Love it. Um... All right, my turn, I guess. Um, I started listening to a podcast. So I've been really interested in tabletop role-playing games. Because um, that movie just, like, knocked my socks off, I guess. Um, but, like, I've started to be really, really interested in, in this sort of thing. And so we're... So I was, like, you know, I, I you know, maybe, maybe, what, maybe Dungeons & Dragons or maybe the Star Trek one. I have uh, recently discovered that uh, Star Trek has a tabletop role-playing game called Star Trek Adventures. Um, and I started listening to a podcast, just kind of get get an idea of what the mechanics are with the game. I started listening to a podcast, much like the Dark Critical Role, a uh, real-play podcast, uh, called Starship Tempest, um, which is a, um, a real-play podcast based on Star Trek Adventures. And so it's an original Star Trek series. And... Um, I started listening to that. It's pretty charming. There was a couple of years ago that it came out, and they have just really—I think they just finished their second season. It's pretty charming. The uh, the game sounds super interesting, and in just kind of some of the ways that it works. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to continuing more. I've only listened to three episodes, so I don't have much more to say than that. Um, and I started watching Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. We love to um, hear it. Yeah, that show's pretty good. Which you guys did an animation station on, and uh, it's very good. Uh, you know, you guys sung its praises, and you were correct to do so. All right. Um, only 12 episodes in, I think. Maybe less. 12 Maybe a little episodes? Less. There's only 12 episodes. There's only 12 episodes in the first season. Mm, I thought there were 16. Mm, I don't think so. But let me double check. Um, I got TV time, so I can see where I'm where I'm at. Here, I also um, want to get on my phone. Yeah, um, no, but it doesn't really matter because I um I really enjoy it. I love the music a lot. 
I'm ten episodes in. Um, there it is. I love the music a lot. I think the um, uh, the 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 uh, every song is very interesting and very catchy, and I really like how it informs the episode. Um, I really love the animation, as you guys talked about. Yeah, it's a it's a awesome show. I I it's a I really like it. Heck yeah, I love it. Can't wait to watch more. Um, I listened to some Doctor Who's. Um, I was gone last week. Um, where I talked and uh, so so I was listening to a bunch of Doctor Who audio adventures on my trips, up and down the coast, and. Uh, I only want to say a little bit about about them because I talk about them a lot. But I watched the, I listened to the second Unbound Doctor. That's the David Warner one. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love that one as much as I loved the first one, but it's pretty interesting. I really like David Warner as the Doctor. The War Doctor stuff is very interesting um, because they're they're really like going into this kind of like monstrous personality that the Doctor. Uh, tried to be throughout the time war and dealing with the Daleks and um, and it's kind of weird and like there's time nukes and there's sectioning off a certain time zone of space uh, some really cool concepts and theories and John Hurt is really good as the war doctor um, I'll be honest really in- like that sounds really necessary to me because like I love the idea of a doctor that the doctor wanted to pretend he didn't do- happen. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I I like that a lot. But like when we got to the day of the doctor, I love John Hurt. But like you only get like talk about how how rough he'd become. You don't really yeah. see how rough he'd become. Like he should essentially be the idea of everything that when we see the doctor at other times, it's like, yeah, I'd be really dangerous if I didn't have a companion. Boy, I could really go off the edge and really cause some damage. And like. That's who John Hurt should be. He should be the guy who causes the damage. Yeah. Um, uh, there's still, like, the first arc, the first three episodes that I listened to, there's still, like, glimmers of he's still trying to, he's still trying to do good in the universe and try to save people and make sure the Daleks don't kill innocents and whatnot. But uh, other times there's, like, people are going to go to their death and the doctor, as you know, would be like, no, we can find a way out. And he would. But this doctor was like, no, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta die. I, um, I, I feel like the the pinpointed moment of like this is exactly the doctor that everyone should fear is the the one, um, I forget the name of the family, but the family that's like hunting him, and with yeah. David Tennant, and then uh, and then that guy has a line where he's like, I realize why he he tried so hard to run away. He was being kind because he like ruins their lives forever mm-hmm. for what they do to him, and like that's again who I feel like the War Doctor is. He's that version of David Tennant most of the time, <laughs> but even um, I, and there is a criticism I have with it because they don't go as hard as I'd like them to do. Is what Sparks is talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't, they don't go as hard as I'd like them to do, and I think it's because the BBC at this point is very. Um, at this point in the recordings are is very protective of the Doctor Who brand um, and so having so I think what they're thinking is I think what the BBC is saying is that like you don't want our Doctor to be a hardened war criminal and Big Finish is kind of like okay but this one is sure. um, but they still they still do some really interesting stuff and I, I really like it the Eighth Doctor Audio Adventures I've continued with um, are all really good, really fun. I like the companion. I have noticed something, and I looked online, and apparently this is something that happens a lot. Paul McGann is bored. Mm. Um, he really likes playing the Doctor 
why else would he this is a voluntary thing he does not he's not under contract to do these big finish audio adventures so he has to want to do it sometimes they are not giving him the material that makes it worthwhile for him and you can tell when he feels that way mm -hmm. um and that's mostly when he's kind of like kind of feel like the doctor has gotten stale mm -hmm. and most of the time that's followed by them erasing the doctor's memory which happens so much with paul mcgann um, and actually it's fun, fun, fun thing. The Time Lord Victorious episode, uh, with David Tennant referenced that references the fact that he kept having his mind wiped as one of the reasons why he doesn't remember his adventures as the eighth doctor. Hmm. Explain why we never get any reference of him. Sure. Um, outside of like pictures. And so anyway, so, so, so this last time he, you know, he fights the, he fights the, the Time Lord, um, uh, Time Lord Glorious, Jesus. Time Lord um, uh, Despot, uh, kind of like the, the Time Lord Hitler, um, uh, Morbius, who was in his, who was in Time Lord history. He's coming back to life, and the Doctor's like, "Oh my God, I gotta stop Morbius!" And I kept thinking of the Vampire because I never saw that episode. It's Morbin time. Um, it's Morbin time, exactly. And so they fall off a cavern like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. And when the Doctor pops up again, he has been living six hundred years on a different planet. Um, he has just he just doesn't remember anything anymore mm. so that's when that's when you get like interviews of paul mcgain after the episodes being like yeah you know it's 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 really interesting to play the character like you know i'm learning how to be the character again because you know he's learning who he's and i'm like oh yeah right that you that you care again that's cool sure um i really like it i'm really excited to continue hell yeah uh, Poker Face ended a couple while ago, but I finished watching Poker Face with, um, Natasha Lyonne. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, excellent show. Like, really excellent show. After, after the end of every, almost every, um, uh, first act break, I turned to Zara and I was like, this is excellent. Mm. Uh, because there's always a fun thing about the show. Always great actors, always great um writing it's it's really special and really good um i love the character of charlie carroll i think she's she's awesome and uh charming uh and the way she connects with all the um all the stories is really fun and interesting and um it's not really a um it's not really a whodunit i talked about it before but like because you know who the killer is you just don't know everything about why the kill happened mm -hmm. um and that's where that's where charlie carroll comes in Awesome show. Highly recommended if you haven't watched it yet. It's really awesome. Only, I think, nine, ten episodes. I'll get to um, it. I'll finish The Bad Batch. Hmm. Um, the season, season two. So I'm all caught up on The Bad Batch in time for season three. Um, I, thought, I think the second season... No, I don't think the second season on a whole is stronger than the first season. But I do think the back half of the second season is uh, is very good. That's what I've heard. Um, that's what I've heard is that the back head, like like it ends very strong. Yeah, it's got a very strong ending. Uh, the characters are all end up in interesting places, and the the first. But I remember the first half kind of being a little boring, a little kind of we're spinning our wheels a little bit, uh, and then the back half really kicked it off. Sparks mentioned last week uh, that you didn't like Sid, mm -hmm. and you'll be happy to know she stops being so much a part of the show. I will be happy to know that. <laughs> um, 
I, I think the show really develops the batch as um fun and it's just characters i love omega i think she's great um i really really like the what we're getting now is we're starting to see the transition to clone troopers to stormtroopers um like there's a bill in in uh the senate that people are trying to debate on um whether or not they want a standing military and what would happen to the clones afterwards and so that's you get some really interesting episodes with um, Crosshair, who is one of the Bad Batch who, who decided to stick with the Empire. Um, he start he becomes like our focal point of seeing what's happening to the clones post the Republic into the Empire and and seeing how the Empire is going to begin to treat them because that chip was never meant to last. Eventually, the clones would start to realize, hey that we betrayed our Jedi. Do, do, do. Um, so Crosshairs becomes kind of the the, the 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 eyes for that. And his episodes are, are some of my favorites. And I don't really care for him as a character that much, but his episodes are very effective and really delivered in the political messages um, that I really appreciate about this era of Star Wars. Wrong. Let's see. Um... Yeah, okay, I'll talk about Star Trek Picard a little bit. Kind of generalities. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I have a whole six-week episode, uh, a series about Star Trek Picard uh, that I did with Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. And weeks, not six weeks. Um, I was going to say, I was like, it's more than six. <laughs> yeah. um, that I've done with Cookie uh, from Just a Little Podcast. I'm so- I just got new weed. Um, <laughs> Two weeks. Um, so... We uh, talk about the last episode. We actually recorded that today, so that'll be up uh, soon. And it's really great. That's Uh, nice. The first two seasons, I don't particularly care for. I don't hate them as much as others do, but the the change in direction to season season three is really excellent, and I found so much value in it and so much love in it, and I just... It, it, it's it's really good. Yeah. I saw a new meme that I haven't seen before uh, uh, using this format. Um, the original one, it's it's uh, Game of Thrones, and it's like the first five seasons, it's a beautiful horse drawing, and then season six and seven, it's like a Crayola drawing to finish it. For Picard, I saw it was like a Starship Enterprise, but the first two seasons were drawn by a kid, and then the final one was like a glorious HD image of like, Picard season three is the greatest thing ever! And I'm like, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad it ended positively because that would have been awful it does seem like the thing they just needed the whole time was nostalgia a next generation show that was about the whole crew and sometimes featured patrick stewart yeah yeah i i think that that's i think if this would have been the show in the beginning i don't know how i'd feel but um the speaking of the next generation reunion because it is it is this next generation reunion we get uh jonathan frakes back as william Riker. william Riker is my favorite star trek character um, of all time, I, I I love Jonathan. How Jonathan Frakes plays that role, I love Jonathan Frakes. And for so long, Jonathan Frakes was only doing um, uh, directing. He was only directing TV shows. And he wasn't. It wasn't in front of the camera. Um, pretty much after Riker, he did some voice roles and you know, just kind of had to be a, a, a TV director. Did he not? He, he did not show up in season one. He is in season one. Oh, okay. Okay. He is I thought, I, I, thought I was having bad memory moment. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he showed up in season one, right? We meet his daughter 
um, Kestra okay. Troy Riker. Oh, okay. That episode. Best episode of the season, by the way. Is that saying a lot? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, I think um, the performance he delivers here is a career highlight. Um, it's a career high for him. He is so good uh, for someone who hasn't been acting for so long. He, the first episode, you kind of get the sense that he's like working those muscles that he hasn't worked in a long time. And then he like really delivers some truly heartbreaking performances. I love seeing him with Troy again. Uh, the two of them are so good. And Jonathan Frakes gets so much great material to work with. I, I'm so happy about it. Love it. But, um, look, it's, it's not perfect. Um, no TV show is be very difficult to do, to make something perfect, but what it does deliver on, I think it delivers very well. Um, there's, uh, a lot of payoff to, to the, the, just, not just the series, but the, the, the entire next generation run. Um, like, uh, there's, there's just so much value in what this season brought. Uh, to a Star Trek fan, to someone who really loves the next generation. While there's a lot of nostalgia and it, and it gets worse as the show goes on, um, but never, never blatantly always done with love. Um, like, you know, they're the show, the, the people who did the show want to want you to know that they love, the, they love next generation as much as you do. Um, there's some really fun returning characters, um, some surprising returning characters. Um, meet the enterprise f from star trek online that was awesome but just a long-winded way of me saying like it really delivered they really nailed it and i'm super impressed and if we don't see more from this century specifically with the new characters introduced in this in this season i will be very disappointed hmm. i'm sure i'm sure you'll you'll get something yeah i think the there's something that happens at the end of the season that i tweeted about but i don't really want to kind of Blatantly spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why you would think that Strange New Worlds might conflict with a potential legacy series. What this would be called, Star Trek Legacy. They don't want two ship two shows that would be similar. Mm, sure, sure, sure. Look, I love Strange New Worlds. I don't want to get rid of Strange New Worlds. I just want my cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, Michael Dorn gets some great stuff. He has a awesome sword it's a good show it's a good show i'm really impressed i'm really happy yay hell yeah multiple great star trek star trek shows on at once love it yeah it's it's a good time honestly last thing i'll talk about is suzumi which is an animated movie that we talked about a little a little while ago mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, this is the one where the guy turns into a chair oh yeah um excellent really excellent i think it might be my favorite movie of the year hell yeah um it's, it's beautiful. The animation is beautiful. The voice acting, the, I saw the dub. Um, the voice acting, Josh Keaton, I believe is the gentleman's name, played Spider-Man in Spectacular Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, He's great and um, as a chair. Um, and there's an actress who plays Suzumi who I didn't realize was, was, was who she was. So I was listening to the voice. I was like, oh, this is very familiar. And I recognized her from Superstore as like a really annoying like ditzy blonde girl. Uh, and she's incredible uh, as Suzumi. I loved it. Um, really awesome stuff. I was sobbing by the end of it. There was a point about halfway through the movie where I was like, oh, you know, I was, like it felt like it was coming to an end. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, 
I was really hoping I would like this more. And then there was another hour. Long movie? It's two hours. Oh. Short movie. Uh, like, wow, an hour long <laughs> movie. Crazy. For for an anime film, like on the longer end of what you usually get. Sure. Um have you you haven't seen anything else from this director, have you? No, uh, we want to. I think we're going to try and watch um, Your Name. Your Name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, this week. That one made me cry. I think that he's just a, he's just a guy who makes people cry. That's what he does. Yeah, I never thought never thought door opening and closing would be so dramatic. Because mm. uh, it's really all the action scenes is just trying to open and close doors. Extra effective. Um. Yeah, really loved it. Um, hope more people see it. It's doing well in the box office, which is nice. Um. I want them to keep bringing more animated anime movies to um, kind of wide wide releases, not necessarily fathom events. Those that director's films do very well here stateside, so I, I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, um, the uh, the first half. Of the reason why I kind of like I, I kind of noticed it just kind of felt a little interestingly paced. Not bad because, but boy, the payoff is incredible. Um, but yeah, excellent movie. Can't really say too much more about it. All right, that's all my week. Got nothing else. Love it. All right. Shall we go into our bread and butter? Yes, please. As smooth as butter. Yeah, yeah, baby. Um. All right. So, talking about some sad news up top. Harry Belafonte passed away this week. Yeah. Age of ninety-six. Harry Belafonte. Uh major major activist um and then known as being an entertainer actor singer um how old again 96 right 96 six <sighs> yeah uh been around for a long time um i feel like everybody's seen something related to him whether it's his activism or his art um you've you've been aware uh pretty influential figure um, I've seen a lot of people sharing like his Muppet Show and Sesame Street appearances, um, which is kind of nice and heartwarming because like they the specifically like Frank Oz and a couple of other people who worked on the Muppet Show have talked about like crafting the show around him for the episode that he was there. They wanted it to feel very like for him in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I I heard some of his music. I really I really liked him. He was just kind of one of those names you instinctively knew, you know. Mm-hmm. Belafonte. He had a he had yeah. a great quote, which is that I was never an artist who became an activist. I was an activist that happened to become an artist. Mm, um, that's nice. And I think that really like puts a lot of his activism at the forefront, which is what he was always trying to do, and rightly should. Uh, all right, so some interesting, some interesting industry things happened this week. Hasbro and Mattel have done have partnered up in a in a pretty big move. Uh, the two companies are going to combine forces for a licensing deal for their upcoming theatrical releases. So for Hasbro, it's Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, and Barbie for Mattel. Um, so basically, what this means is Hasbro is going to make Barbie branded like Monopoly games and whatever they own toy wise and. And uh, Mattel will produce like Transformers, Hot Wheels, and an Uno game. So those are the examples. Unprecedented, but kind of awesome. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the, they are the they are the titans of their industries. It is cool that like they're doing, uh, uh, <laughs> Barbie Monopoly. I assume that already existed, but I guess not. Every like 
We have like an office because they're competing toy companies and so yeah, but you know, sure. like, you know, things no, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just assume Transformers Hot Wheels. Yeah, you think beat that? Yeah, you think you think those would spo- those would have happened? Yeah. Um, I know uh, I follow someone on Instagram who uh, made a Barbie Monopoly. Wow. Maybe they'll call her up. Maybe. Netflix is going to begin cracking down on password sharing during the second quarter of this year, which I think is actually this quarter. Yep. Current quarter we're in. Um, so basically what this means is users uh, will be able to add two or more people outside of their homes for an additional cost um, <laughs> because they're going to begin uh, blocking devices that attempt to access an account without properly paying. Hilarious. No one will do this. That's so no. funny. I'll be honest, Netflix, uh, like, they obviously, like, lots of great stuff comes out on Netflix, but not enough where I, like, because I forget, like, I don't go to Netflix personally all the time. Whatever I watch on Netflix, it's usually with this guy. Right, and I mean, <laughs> like, even if you, at this point, even if you wanted to log in, you live in this house, you can... This yeah. is the thing is like, because we all have the same Netflix and there's like five people in this house. And so like, that's my only thing. Like, I don't really care about the rest of this. Like, but like when Netflix gets to the point where like, uh, oh, there's too many people in this house here, add another person. I'm be like, no fool. Come that, on. That's ridiculous. We're all on the same IP address. Shut that's up. ridiculous. <laughs> um, I mean, they, 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 the profile thing. And like, they were talking about how much they didn't mind password sharing, but they're doing this because they think they're losing, what was it? Like a hundred million subscribers. Yes. A month? This is, this is the fake idea that corporate heads have in general from streaming services about when people are password sharing, it means that the people who are getting the password shared to them, we are losing on those subscribers. And it's like, not really, because let's be honest, those people could just pirate if they really wanted to. And, uh, the reason that they're having their password shares because they, can't stink and afford to buy you and they wouldn't if they could so like it's not real like it's it's maybe a little bit real to like a one to two percentage yeah of what they're thinking i don't think they're gonna get the numbers they think they're gonna get oh god no. just, of course they're not they're like, gonna probably lose subscribers over it like in a different in like a similar but different way like the way like hbo max sorry sorry max like that whole like nonsense no, no, no. still hbo max right now oh good 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 okay um, the home of HBO. I'm gonna forgot. always call it HBO Max. Of course, I don't even care. Um, F does F Zaslav. Yeah. Um. Um. <laughs> I had a point, and I don't even care anymore. <laughs> sorry. It's like it's like HBO Max in the sense like what Netflix is doing. You oh, sorry, like, Netflix. Yeah, like they just like yeah, they're losing money and they're losing subscribers. So what do we do? We keep we keep making worse announcements. Oh, we're losing money. We're losing subscribers. Now your friends can't watch it. Now your family can't watch it. Like yeah, you're really gonna make us want to watch Netflix now. Thanks, guys awful business the thing practices. is there are so there are so many streaming services like uh, so, uh, sorry but netflix you know gets to the back of the pile because i think there's more interesting content on the other streaming services i just signed up for for paramount plus mm. Mm. yeah it's got the um, yellow jackets well also it's actually showtime so i had to buy the showtime package for a dollar more <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should, i'm never gonna watch showtime <laughs> There's a lot of good shows show... on Showtime, no. though. Yeah, I know. Showtime and Paramount Plus are combining soon. Uh, but I can't wait. I gotta watch Yellow Jackets the day it comes out. I can't I... wait. Right. That's how, nice. good, that's how good that show is. Like, I do not... I, I cannot wait for the pirates fast enough. I need to watch right. the show the second it comes out. That That's very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Katie just got it in our house. So, like, you know, yeah. with with Showtime. So you'll be... Yeah, yeah, I can... She added the Showtime. Get that one so. month, baby. <sighs> Yeah, I, I just got. I was thinking about it the other day. Is like, you know, I don't really go to Netflix, but like, still, I haven't seen Sandman yet. 
there's still a season of Camp Cretaceous on there. I haven't seen uh, Sweet Tooth season two is coming. I'll, there's still good stuff on I'll, Netflix. I'll, just... I'll, I'll be honest, like even with Netflix, like it, for the time being, all of them, Prime Video, that that feels baked into my Amazon, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix and Hulu, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, um, Apple TV Plus, Peacock, Paramount Plus, all that stuff. Man. I'm like, but here's the thing. I would rather pay the total of all of those subscription services and have access to all the content that those entire vast libraries give me mm-hmm. than pay cable. No, I agree. Than pay the, the $80 almost equivalent. Maybe I'm paying a little more for all these services, but I'm being selective. And no ads for most of them. Right. I'm being selective. Uh, and I have considerably vast customization and more options. I would still rather this than the cable package days. I agree. Like, this is still better. Uh, even if it if the the streaming boom is kind of lurching on its uh, ends right now. This is still preferable to me than the, like, here, pay for Fox News when you never want it. Because, oh, yeah. Did you hear about that, by the way, real quick? Fox News is increasing its cable subscriber amount by $3, regardless of if you pay, like, you watch it or not. If it's in your package, you have to pay $3 more now <laughs> because of uh, the money they're losing in stock over Tucker Carlson being oh, no. taken out. Tucker did this? Oh, no. Anyway, the one I, would, thing he I would rather live in the, in the <laughs> streaming service like than, than no, have agree. to pay costs over things I don't even watch. No, I agree. I never, or care about. I think about having to be like, wow, I can't wait to watch that movie at 8.30. Like, I can just watch it now! I can just watch it now! <laughs> um... You mentioned you mentioned cable, and I just remembered that uh, I was watching the the True Lies TV series that just came out, um, based off the movie. Um, because my mom was watching it on cable, and uh, it's so bad. Sure, just the so way it's bad. Cut. And the girl, the girl who plays Nikki from Wife. Yeah, yeah. And she. She acts circles around the guy who plays the Arnold Schwarzenegger character. And I'm sorry, if you can't act better than Arnold Schwarzenegger, the 90s Arnold Schwarzenegger, you shouldn't be in this show. Hey, yeah. come on now. <laughs> there, there are worse people. Um, the, uh, <laughs> it, 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 I say cable, but like I'm taking the shot at like Dish, DirecTV, all of oh, That's it. all the same. All, yeah. all of those yeah. services. Yeah. Like, tsh, I'd rather this. I'd rather this model. Um, I feel like you have more control as a consumer over paying for what you actually want. Yeah. I agree. Um, but either way, Netflix, this is stupid. Entry. This is just stupid because we know it's not going to benefit Netflix. Yeah. I just remembered I didn't know what Ultimate Ad Free meant until I listened to the episode last week. Oh, you didn't even look it up? Ultimate Ad I was going to, but I didn't. But I ended up not being on the episode, so I didn't do the... Yeah, you're just, you're just basically paying to get 4K. That's funny. Amazon Prime Video... Um, I thought this was kind of interesting, but I kind of regret putting it in now. What row? But oh well. Um, they've launched a dialogue boost feature. Um, this is going to be an AI-based approach that allows viewers to adjust the volume of spoken dialogue without changing the volume of background music or sound effects. Okay, this is, this I, is, this no, is okay. this is actually I don't hate this, this is um, because it's really important specifically for Amazon because Amazon is not just Prime Video, but they also are a host to digital copies of films and television shows that people can buy and purchase or rent or all that kind of stuff. So they are the the most high commonality of this, where they have a digital copy and the audio balance is uh, off mm-hmm. and bad because mm-hmm. it's not given all the material it needs from the physical media transfer. 
Um, and this, this comes down to a lot of homes. Like it's modern TVs, not having good sound system setups, unless you do some finagling. It's all this kind of stuff. Like we had to change a setting in order to make, uh, Indiana Jones for the PS5 and 4k oh, watchable yeah. because, um, it only has the Dolby surround sound as an option for the 4k. You can't do a different setting. So you have to alter your TV sound settings to make sure the music and sound effects are not overpowering the dialogue. So you have to go in... Because they were very quiet. Because there's no other... Like, you only have 5.1 maximum surround sound. You don't have, like, drop down to the next level... Uh, stereo it out if you're buying this 4k you better we know you have a sound system right that's that's kind of the logic yeah. and i'm like you know i'd rather have that option than not have it but like it means you have to do this finagling and so like amazon and, and a lot of the digital copies have long been a problem of this thing where like music is too loud and dialogue is too quiet it's, yes. it's long been an issue so the fact that they're introducing an ai tool actually incredibly smart i think they're recognizing a problem that's been there for a long time i think people hear ai and they freak out just because of of the current wave of AI art and stuff. But, but this like, is one of the good uses This is of also, AI. like, great for accessibility. Yeah, because, like, some people are hard of hearing, and, like, are you just going to make it louder? No, you, like, no, you, you turn just, on the captions. Yeah, turn on the captions. That helps. But some you people make... want to actually hear what yeah. the, vo- the voice they're saying if they're capable of doing so. Yeah. And, again, this is it's optional, so, like, I think it's a it's a cool thing. This is a good, cool. good AI tool. Good AI tool. One of the few. I'm glad I put it in there. Well, because it's not replacing, like, a person's job. Like, there's no person that's going to go in on every single thing in the entire <laughs> Move Amazon over, Prime Video Library and, like, spend their time, All like, right. finding the new audio balance. Um, uh, the Writers Guild of America has voted to, has authorized a strike by a, a um, margin of 97.85%. You know it's this, 2006 again! You know what this means, guys? You know what, <laughs> you know what this means? The movie's coming out in the next two years are going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna have no scripts, no, for real. Just like, uh, just like that boom, uh, like the next Transformers movie. They didn't shoot with that script. Uh, I can't I think, wait. I think it just. Be, I think for a decent chunk, it means we're just gonna be looking at delays, for a while. Yeah, it's not as fun though. Um, no, I know. Uh, there definitely will be some bad scripts that come out, but like for the most part, I think we're looking at delays. We're looking at the two thousand. I think. I think this will happen a lot faster than it did in two thousand six because two thousand six happened, mm-hmm. um, and we all remember how that writer strike killed heroes a lot of people will point to that one specifically but like there's a lot of examples of what was going on at the time but that that's a pretty good one because it completely derailed that show um Mm -hmm. it it gave the the showrunners just enough time to go oh maybe we should second guess our plan (laughs) i brought it up but like transformers 2 like that they like they have they they shot that movie with like a script that the writers did not write right and like yeah it's kind of yeah it feels like it yeah no yeah uh and so i think we're i think things like i think a lot of Disney projects, for example, like a lot of the, the big blockbusters and especially a lot of things being spearheaded by James Gunn, obviously. Oh, sure, yeah. They're just going to get pushed back if they have to. They're they're going to be like... People who care about we, art. We know that we have to think about... And like anything from A24, they're not going to move forward. A lot of the yeah. smaller production companies. So I, you, you're going to see some things move forward, but not not too much. Yeah. Um, I think, and especially with so much reliance on wanting to put out more content, wanting to put out quality content, I think a lot of the studios and streamers are noticing right now like what what they need is not more but better yeah and that comes down to writers so i i do think the situation is probably going to resolve itself faster than it won't but it's it's long overdue the netflix it's a netflix is learning this lesson right now when one of their highest highest rated shows was written by a veteran writer who assembled a good writer's room and that's what a lot of people are talking about like no this was like this is like the writers had like this is what you do. Yep. 
Um, but to Ryan's point, get ready some, for some really bad Marvel movies, probably. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's what I was saying is I think that Disney will push back their projects. I think that they're they're very much in a lurch right now where like Iger and Feige have kind of been coming out and saying like, we need to shore up quality. Quality is important in our products. So if I don't anything, think this is a time where they're going to hit the gas on, uh, don't worry about quality. If anything, this is an excuse to be like, no, we, we can't write anything. We have to push everything back. Like We need to yeah. reassess. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, we've watched them push projects back this year. I don't think that this is going to make them go, eh, do we I don't really think Disney will, Disney won't be the company to do this, but there will be other companies who are like, we still need to make movies, y'all. Money has to be made. Right. And that's what I, I'm, I'm excited for. Like, whatever, like, off-brand superhero movie comes out in two years. Like, oh, the Wild Jack. He's that random image comic character. And, like, yeah, my son wrote it. <laughs> the producer's son. Uh, all right. Comics. Comics? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are about to get another crossover with a Dark Horse comic book called Ranger <gasps> <Andrew> Things. <gasps> this one's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So the TMNT and Stranger Things are going to team up in a title called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles X Stranger Things. Uh, this is going to be written by Cameron wow. Chittock. Really creative with that title there. Mm. <laughs> uh, with art by Pharaoh. A four issue miniseries and follows the Stranger Things cast on a trip to New York City. But a familiar threat from home comes with them, leading the teens to team up with the iconic green heroes. No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's just one, like... It would make I more think, sense I think, it was like Ghostbusters. They, I, think yeah. there's, I think there's a lot more creative crossovers with TMNT that's already been done. Mm-hmm. And Ryan's right. There's a much more logical one for Stranger Things. This one doesn't make sense. Like, I don't it's, mind weird crossovers. It just doesn't make sense. I, 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 I'll be honest. Like, I feel like the turtles violate the entire functionality of the characters of Stranger Things being able to be translated at all. Like, if the turtles are real, these characters are not real. Like, it it all becomes like a dream that Will had because he was really into the turtles at one point. Like, it it can't, it, it, it kind of ruins who they are. If they have to grapple with the turtles are real at the same time, like I, mm-hmm. it doesn't, they don't work together. I, I, are they gonna do something where like the origins of something evil is tied to the upside down? Like, is that like because they have to like they have to like why is the crossover happening? Like, what is the what is the thing? And it might be like, oh, this turtles villain went to the upside down, or like Vecna and Bebop hung out, or whatever. <laughs> Shredder teaming up with Vecna is kind of cool. But like here, I'll be honest with you. The the most appealing way to me that a crossover like this could be done is if it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have to deal with the things from Stranger Things, like Upside Down and all that. But leave the kids out of it. Yeah. Like none of the Stranger Things cast comes over. <laughs> but you have to deal with like Upside Down New York City and the same kind of like Demogorgons and gross like the Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles now have to have their own Stranger Things type adventure with all the same materials of that. But not with the kids. And it's not, it's like, when when the Turtles and Batman hang out, though they both, like, <clears throat> fight crime. And, like, what is Will gonna do with, like, Michelangelo? Oh, you're definitely, What's, gonna, like, Mike you're definitely gonna get a panel of, like, Dustin eating pizza? and, and, sure. uh, and Donna. Uh, I'm trying to think of which turtle would be most likely to do it. But one of the turtles will be singing with Dustin, like, uh, a song from another famous 80s film. Mikey. Yeah. He's a Mikey, party dude. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be Mikey and Dustin having to save the day by singing Again, like, the song, and I'll I, be like, "Cool." I will probably like like 
I, like the Stranger Things comics, like those are fine. Like I'm even cool with like, hey, Stranger Things crossing over or something. But again, like Ghostbusters, like kind of makes sense. Like this one just like doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't. It doesn't jive. There's just no tangible way to make those characters like they are in the show in this comic. Like, they functionally have to change. Yeah. It just can't be done. Also, is it going to be, like, the cartoony turtles or, like, the really mature turtles? Like, which incarnation? Like, what's the tone of this book? Because, like, the Who's show is kind of mature. It's Who's mat- it for? It's a mature show. Lots of, kids, lots of kids watch Stranger Things, though. That's true. I think it's... I think, judging by the cover design that I saw, I think it's the current turtles in the comic. <laughs> Got it. Got Excuse it. me. So sorry. Okay. Um... Anyway, it's a pass. I, from, it's a pass from me, Brandon. It's also a pass from me. <laughs> I'm just, oh no! Um, I uh, what was I gonna say? This kind of reminds me. Like IDW really likes to do these kind of weird crossovers. They did a whole like X Files crossover that crossed over with Ghostbusters, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mask, Mask like yeah. all sorts of things. Doctor Who, and, Star Trek, My Little Pony with Transformers. It's it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. There's just I don't know I don't know why this is less believable than. X, X Files of Transformers for me, but yeah, this one's kind of weird. Yeah, I think yeah. I think what it is truly is that all of the other properties we just named have had weird comics and offshoots and everything. Stranger Things has had comics, but they've all still been grounded in the world of Stranger Things. It's like realistic. It's like a realistic like. It is. I don't know. It's, it just yeah. It's just weird. Weird vibes. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be totally fine. You know what has good vibes? Whatever we're gonna do. Give me some next. good vibrations. Oh, I'm picking up. Moon Knight, City of the Dead. Oh, these are some good vibrations. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me about these vibrations, Brandon. Uh, written by David uh Pepo Pepos? Peposi? David Popos. David Popos. He's a current fan favorite of mine. That dude is excellent. I'm so excited for this. Um, with art by Marcello uh Ferreira. Oh, so good. This will be, uh, so this will come out after Moon Knight 25, which would be Judd McKay's mm. Moon Knight number 25. Big anniversary issue that introduces Layla L. Fooley, the Moon Knight TV series. Um, but Moon Knight City of the Dead will be a five-issue miniseries where she will debut as the Scarlet Scarab. Love it. Dog, this is the best. This- like, she was one of the best things about Moon Knight by a pretty huge margin, maybe just behind Oscar Isaac as just a performer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And to have her translated over to the comics is an incredibly great decision. And very fast too. Like, like less than a year. Like that's awesome. Um, And like, man, that, that promo image they put up is like stunning. I'm I'm stunning. I'm thrilled for her. I think this is great. Um, I think it's also awesome because like, Moon Knight and Scarlet Scarab can have the luxury of the kind of characters where you only bring them out when you have a good story to tell with them. Mm-hmm. But that means that like we can get some just excellent Scarlet Scarab stories just splattered around now, and I love that. Yeah, she'll get she'll get her own miniseries one day. Feel it already. Yeah. I'm honestly I'm I'm like I'm really excited for this, but I'm excited for my friend David who follows me on Twitter. Thank you, David. Um, I just because he's just a really great up and cutting writer. He's done a lot of Marvel Unlimited stuff, like Avengers and X Men stuff. So like I just I David. really I love when 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 indie guys get to get the bump up. Yeah. Uh, he he wrote Savage Avengers, which is awesome, and I'm just like yeah, Moon Die, hell yeah. David did like my uh, Grogu smashing the yes button on this. There you go. This announcement. There you so. go. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great meme. I, I will be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> the the plot of this basically is Moon Knight has to go to the city of the dead, a mind bending underworld, to have a young runaway. Love I, it. I love it. I'm I'm there. Thank you. This is gonna be a yes from me, Brandon. 
<laughs> you want some more good vibes, Sparks? I do. I love good vibes. Final Space. Oh, shit, yo. What a nice video. God, see. what a nice video. Guys, Olan Rogers is such a nice person. Um, he's got really funny, entertaining YouTube videos, like, going back quite that's a few years. That's how I know him from being right. a YouTuber. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. I did, too. Yeah. And that's why I followed him yeah. into the Final Space project, which is why I jumped on it the moment that he said he was doing it. Love it. Um, Final Space is incredible. Uh, it's amazing. I wish I could say, go check it out, but, like pirate it i guess because it's not available anywhere else you're making me um, a pirate you're making me so because zaslov and and warner are kind of terrible in that regard um this was awesome oh yeah so uh anyway the news is that olam rogers put out an announcement video that um he managed to work out a take it or leave it deal with warner brothers um for a way to end file space there's a lot of restrictions on it they do seem pretty unfair and ridiculous but he's at least happy because he gets to end the story on his terms um, uh, it, the restrictions are things like he can't do a Kickstarter, which is just bonkers. Um, uh, he had such wild success with the Godspeed one we talked about when he was doing it when Final Space ended. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he would have made a crap ton of money from that. And like the fact that he's, uh, hampered in that way is ridiculous. He can't make a digital edition, which is a huge bummer what? for a lot of people. Yes. Not allowed to make it. It can only be released as a physical copy. That's awful. Uh, and he must self-publish. He must self-publish. Yeah, he got to put that's, his own money yeah. into it. He must self-publish. Like, These are the restrictions. These are the the, the, the parameters that he's been he's been locked into. But he can make it as long as he wants. Um, it has to be one book. It's going to be a big chunky book. Uh, he says <laughs> twenty-five issues because he's going to wrap up everything he possibly can. He's saying it's like a five hundred dollar hardcover. A 500 page haul. Oh, 500. Sorry, sorry. 500 page yeah. hard. That's an omnibus, baby. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Uh, so he's he's going to put everything in the kitchen sink into it, as he said. Now, he made this announcement video yesterday at the time of recording. This is Tuesday. He made this announcement video on Monday. And he said that he was putting up pre orders for $125 a copy, um, but that he's going to keep those pre orders open all the way up until he starts production, which he doesn't expect to be for a while, so people can save up their money and get in on it. But he had to soft cap at 10,000 copies because he had to be reasonable with what he could self publish. Mm -hmm. So, um, 10,000 copies has already been pre-ordered as of this morning. Yeah. I am one of them mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I saw the writing on the wall pretty fast there. Uh, I checked it three hours after the announcement and it was at 4,000. I'm like, well, I'm not missing this. Um, so there it is. Uh, so he's already talking about like this shows that he can get um, some more support. Uh, he's going to raise the amount. Um, he'll have to constantly like while he's figuring it out, reopen and close pre-orders and that kind of thing for now um and he's trying to find a way to distribute it uh internationally that doesn't require him to ship it from here but somewhere that will print it uh that would be so expensive because that's part of the problem international shipping is so expensive because there's even more people that want to support but are being held back by the shipping yeah um so there's all kinds of stuff anyway finalspaceends.com you can go get a lot more information about it. You can pre-order it um, if it's available right now, which maybe it isn't, but keep an eye on it. You can get notifications. Follow Olan Rogers uh, on Twitter, on, on Instagram, all that kind of stuff, and he'll keep updating about what's going on. This book isn't going to come until sometime 2024, late that year, um, but I'm, I'm happy to wait. I'm excited that he gets to do this. It's great news. Um, that guy's an awesome creative, uh, so I'm just thrilled that he gets to do this. And then that story, because that story's that story's really good, and I look forward to you guys like watching it someday. It's really awesome. Uh, yeah. When I heard about this, I was really excited. Just for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited for him. I'm thrilled. 
Um, he's he's so incredibly talented. I really hope that like he gets to bloom into something something big soon. I feel like the idea of not giving him a not letting him do a Kickstarter was to try and not be proven that there's a lot of support for the show. It's who can say? Um, it's a pretty dumb it restriction. Also also might be some weird legality because like if he doesn't technically like himself own the rights that he's make he's like he's raising money for something that he doesn't own which like i don't know like there could be weird like, then warner brothers should just publish it i think they're just being assholes they don't want nothing to do with it right but they're yeah. like you could do a book they could or also something, they could whatever. also give entirely the ip just back to him because they're not doing anything with <laughs> they it. they're could. not even, they're not even making it available to watch yeah. right now so it's like just just give him back all of it that would be, like, a nice thing to do, but, you right. know. but there won't. But Zaslav, yeah. National Treasure, Edge of History got canceled. You know, there's can, that. Can I tell you that I'm shocked? No, not really. No, I'm, not, I'm not shocked. I didn't really hear a lot about this show. I was interested. I just didn't, just, it just kind of disappeared when it aired. There was a lot of, there was a lot of other stuff to do. I still want to go back and watch it. I'll, I'll tell you though, give like, it a chance, but like the buzz was like slightly there because it's seemed National Treasure, but like I'm online a lot and I didn't see anybody talking about it. If right. that thing was really good, I feel like you'd be hearing about I'd it. I'd be hearing about it. Yeah. I'm sure it was kindly middle of the road. And that is the type of thing that dies in the streaming world. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But even, even so, like this is also Disney cracking down on what shows they're, they're going to stream. Uh, they're not putting as much effort. It's not effort uh, as much a uh, uh, quantity of content uh yeah. into that's, disney plus anymore that's a fair assessment but i also think like it is a bummer because there are others where i'm like there's definitely some quality there i might not have been watching the show but like the the benedict society one which we've talked about mm. before oh. the mysterious benedict yeah, society yeah, yeah. which clearly had a lot of like good good quality stuff to it and i was hearing good buzz i just wasn't watching it buzz, buzz. um that's gone that's canceled yeah um so a lot of non-ip disney plus originals shows uh have been canceled most mm. of them um not great <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the time oh doctor who had some news I was about to do 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 do, and I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> oh, I should have got a Doctor Who. I should have known there should have been. I'll get a Doctor Who. Little. Yeah, I'll get out next time. Uh, the composer for the first uh, few seasons, not few, lots of seasons, Doctor Who since it came back in 2005. Murray everything Gold. all the way, everything all the way to the end of Peter Capaldi. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> that's that's most. <laughs> Uh, and so he was, so he's basically just not the composer for Jodie Whittaker's. No, 2017, about five years, right? Yeah, but five years, three seasons, four seasons, yeah. three seasons Season and some thing. specials, six seasons and a movie. <laughs> I think, I think just three seasons. Yeah. I think three seasons and some specials. Yeah. Uh, so, but he's coming back. Russell T. Davies is coming back. So he brought his good friend, Murray Gold back, um, that's cool. I love Murray Gold. He's gotten some incredible music in that in that show. I gotta say, just real quick on that note, like I'm I'm really pumped, and I I, I do need to get myself on the Jodie Whittaker run. I need to get past the Capaldi stuff and into that because like I think it's really a bummer that I heard good things. Like it wasn't like it was a bomb, but like people treat that the way like that's now the forgettable thing, and I'm like, but we all don't like a lot of the things Stephen Moffat did. It at least sounds like the things Chibnall and Whittaker did were like enjoyable and entertaining. And I'm like, do we have to just treat the female doctor as forgettable? Yeah. And yeah. it's, it sucks when it like, it turns like, yeah. I mean, that's also kind of like the, um, 
That's the that's the trouble with like you go from Whitaker to Tenant. Like, and I know the reason why Tenant is here is because uh, they couldn't get Shooty Gotway immediately, so they wanted to uh, make sure they could and not and not wait too long. Um, but kind of does feel like oh, we're just going it's because they're she's like paired between two white men who love who people love their doctors. She's forgettable, and I don't agree with that. I think she's shouldn't forget I about also... her. She's incredible. It also feels like, like the Capaldi era and on, like people just weren't as into Doctor Who anymore. Like, like the, like, like the, it wasn't as big at once, you know. I mean, that's definitely true. Like, yeah. just as a big like international thing, like, like a pop it, culture, it, it thing. had slipped away a little bit. Yeah. But like, I, I think there were still people who were passionate about it, and there yeah, definitely yeah. was a surge of people who came to the show for Whittaker. So yeah, like, yeah. there's, there's like kind of a seesaw effect of some people left after Capaldi. Because Whittaker and Chibnall took over. But some people came to the show because of them. Yeah, it's true. I bet it's going to get a huge resurgence. <clears throat> I think, like, the the Doctor will be, like, back, back. Like, how... I think how, it's going to get... Because Disney Plus is going to air it. It's on... Oh, yeah, with oh it on Disney God. Plus, like, with its bigger budget. Yeah, it's Oh, that's going to be huge. That's it's awesome. It's going to be big again. That's awesome. But I hope, like... I guess what I'm saying is, like, I hope Whittaker and the others who were associated with it, like, in the long run, get talked about more in a with more fondness the people who do have a fondness for it get to elevate those voices because like this idea that uh eh, it's all kind of forgettable i'm i'm really rubbing up against even though i haven't watched it i'm like that, that doesn't seem like an accurate read just from the people who have been liking it during yeah. that time yeah, yeah. well the ringer is currently doing a doctor who rewatch i know so it's a perfect chance to get it. and they're not talking about jody whittaker at for all. a long time <laughs> it'll look at there eventually they're, no they're not talking about her at all because they've already said like they're they're also skipping most of Capaldi. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, they're they're they weren't even going to cover Smith originally, and then they mm. were like, "But you guys watch House of the Dragon," and they're like, "You're right, we should talk about Matt Smith." Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I do love Matt Smith. Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm sorry, that's we didn't really talk about the <laughs> Murray Gold's coming back. That's great. Uh, I don't think Doc Modern Doctor Who has a uh, a more defined like Murray Gold's. Okay, Murray Gold's score for doctor who is absolutely nuts that guy has reinvented the sound of doctor who like seven times um <laughs> and created new themes like seven times um for more than just the doctor but like all these other characters mm-hmm. like he recreates the soundscape of the show every time the doctor changes and sometimes that's yeah. a regeneration but sometimes it's just the doctor changes how they're behaving or who their companion is and that alters their personality not so much into regeneration and he's like all right whoop okay entirely new soundscape like this is a brand new show and it's all bangers yeah it's all bangers I don't remember what what season it is with the opening, but it's like, it's like where the, the woo 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 has like opera people like, oh, and I'm like, I just like cool opera dudes in the back. I like opera people. I think that's, I think that's once Matt Smith takes over. I like If I'm recalling correctly. It's been so long. I I love, I used to listen to his soundtracks a lot. There's one track, um, Life That Never Was, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you just talked about that episode a little earlier, Sparks, with the, with the doctor who just destroyed that family. Right. Um, uh, that, the song that plays when he, because in that episode, for those of you who don't know, he's, he has changed his identity to John Smith, uh, and put all this Time Lord essence in a, a fob watch. And so he doesn't remember he's the doctor. Uh, but he has this kind of crisis where he's like, well, what about me? What about what happens to me after, after I open this and, and they, 
and he starts thinking about his life that he could have with this person that he's fallen in love with. And the music that plays over that life that we're seeing of David Tennant's John Smith, a child growing old, like is devastatingly beautiful. And I have always remembered that, that track. There are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces of Murray gold music that I could point to that. I'm like, they make me cry. Like they make me cry because they're so emotional and they are so somber and sad. And you feel, and he's got like, he's got like great up music for the doctor too, but like, he has some emotional beats, um, just devastating. There's this one, uh, it's one of the more forgotten ones, I think, but not by me, um, where it's just this haunting piece where he's dealing with the, the Satan planet. I love and the Satan he loses, planet. he loses that entire yeah. space team, and it's just this, like, really sad, haunting theme. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it really makes you feel when the Doctor Who adventures are sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember when I go um, to a planet and there's just a giant demon in a hole? That's... <laughs> Just Satan. Just yeah, he this might be Satan. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, we met that 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 very species brother in the final season in the first season's final episode of Torchwood. Oh, huh. would you look at that? Uh, they're it's related all because <laughs> because they use the same assets. Oh sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I love I love Murray Gold. His his eleventh Doctor piece. Um, is incredible. Like just the theme that he created for the Eleventh Doctor. Right. Uh, I love that. I love that piece of music. Sure. Yeah. Whew. All right. We're getting some good music soon. Hell I'm, yeah. I'm excited. All right, Spark Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Tell me. I'm sorry. We should wait for Ben. <sighs> no. He decided to go to Hawaii. <laughs> he knew what would happen. <laughs> Well, Knuckles, the Look, TV series. As the biggest Sonic fan on this podcast, I feel like I have the authority to be able to talk about it. In fact, I haven't met a bigger Sonic fan yet, so here we go. Um, yeah, okay. Nothing was more exciting, and I know it was to Ben too, than the fact that they released this promotional image and they put his big stupid cowboy hat in it. And I can't tell you how excited I am that that dumb hat is going to be in this show. He's going to be a sheriff in these parts. Oh, it's so good, guys. He looks so goofy in this hat. I'm so excited. And then remember, it's Aegis Elba. Uh, these deep, <laughs> these deep, yeah. deep cuts. And I have to be honest, like that promotional image got me excited. The synopsis for the show gives me a little bit of pause yeah i'll be honest <laughs> so here's short synopsis uh we'll follow knuckles as he agrees to train wade alan paley's character uh as his protege and teach him the ways of the echidna warrior adam adam paley adam paley what did i say alan paley alan definitely didn't mean to it's okay um so ooh, how long has that been going on um <laughs> uh I, I will say, like, I really like Adam Paley. I think he's very funny. I've liked him since Happy Endings. Um, mm -hmm. That being said, this plot is not necessarily what I had in mind for a Knuckles show in this space. I'm I'm going to reserve judgment because, like, they've impressed me with the show. And I really like Idris Elba's Knuckles. And they clearly have a love for uh, all the Sonic stuff. Mag's bringing up Hi, Sonic. Mag. We have a new format, and I didn't see your chat. But thank you for being in the chat. I appreciate you. Yeah. Um... Uh, I'll tell you, Mag, real quick, because we're catching up. Ben did see Evil Dead Rise. He saw it with us. We're going to say what happened with him, how he's feeling about it. Um, 
And uh, I also love the Sonic OVA. So does Ben. That's where the Knuckles hat comes from. Um, yes, I. they clearly have an affection for the Sonic franchise. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fun stuff and Easter eggs. And like, I got I to hold out the faith. And I like the rest of this cast list. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. So I'm like, I, I don't love this premise, but I got to think there's more on the table yeah. than there is. And like... That being said... The wedding subplot in Sonic Two was surprisingly yeah. entertaining. Yeah, so. and like Adam Adam Pally is a really funny guy, and I know like the character of Wade. Like I'd have to revisit it because like I honestly don't remember if I liked him or not. I just remember him being like the goofy guy. So like I can't remember he's, if I liked. Him I or think not. he's better in the second one. Okay, where he's now functionally the sheriff, uh, and he's trying to like he. I think he played well as being like the opposite to Robotnik's underling yes and he like tries to come into the coffee stone. shop and he's like what's wrong with the scone that's right okay yeah because i do like him so like yeah it's just like oh i'm, I'm training a cop yeah mm -hmm. we'll see i'm like yeah we'll see so jeff fowler who directed the first two sonic films will direct the pilot for this episode for this series cool. so we set between two and three so that's man that? that's uh Sonic Universe, crazy. I'll say, I'll change my mind completely about this premise not working for me if by the end Wade can, in fact, kick butt on near a level of what Knuckles can do. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine him with the flaming <clears throat> knuckle arms? That's that's part of the thing is like, can he just can he just like brawl really well after this? Because if that's fine, that that's it. <laughs> um, Kid Cudi, Ed Patterson from Edie Patterson, sorry Edie Patterson uh, from Knives Out and Violet Night. Uh, Julian Barrett from The Great, Ellie Taylor from Ted Lasso. A lot of Ted Lasso actors getting cast in things. They're great. Uh, Rory McGann from Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and Tika Sumter from. Uh, oh, she's Maddie. She's uh, James Marston's wife in the movies. Yeah, right on. It's all been added to the cast. Cool. Yeah, um, I, I'm hopeful. If I can, there's get... a lot of reason to have faith. Yeah, like with Jeff Fowler, like definitely being involved. With, like if this is around the similar quality of Sonic One, more like Sonic Two, then like I, I'll be happy to be there. Yeah. Star Trek news. Engage. Uh, hey. <laughs> no, that's um, no, that's that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I accidentally hit a Batman button. Sorry, that was a spoiler. I just I just spoiled the podcast that we have a Batman button on here. Sorry, sorry, y'all. All right. Well, so Star Trek. So uh, Paramount Plus sur surprised us this week with by saying that a straight to streaming movie is in development, um, centered around Section Thirty One. Ooh. What does it mean? Um, what does it mean? Definitely not at all. Uh, in response to the fact that Michelle Yeoh has now won an Oscar. <laughs> Definitely. So Michelle Yeoh is attached to stars in this, in this movie, um, because, uh, turning as a character of Emperor Giorgio, um, look real quickly, for those of you who don't know, Michelle Yeoh played Captain Giorgio, the USS Shenzhou. She dies in the second episode. Six episodes later, we meet her mirror universe counterpart, who is the emperor of the Terran army, the Terran empire. So then she comes then she comes with them to the prime timeline and she is recruited by Section 31 where she is one of the main antagonists of season 2. Great season. Then she goes with the discovery to the 32nd century where mm, James Ch Cronenberg David Cronenberg older one. The director? Yeah, that's David Cronenberg. Their younger one? That's Brandon Cronenberg. 
So the, yeah, David Cronenberg. Um, he he tells so Michelle Yeoh starts spazzing out. She's like, "Oh my god, why am I spazzing out?" So David Cronenberg, who's the scientist of the Federation, we think is probably evil at this point, but we're not sure. Um, he says, "Hey, the reason why your the reason why your molecules are tearing itself are tearing themselves apart is because." your universe, the mirror universe, and the prime timeline aren't close together anymore, so you need to go to a point where they are close together again. So they meet the Guardian of Forever on a different planet, and the Guardian of Forever is like, here's how you change. Now go back to some point in the past. We don't know where she ended up. We haven't seen her since season three. Hmm. And she showed up in a warehouse. Now you're all caught up. Um, so the Section 31 movie will pick up with this character of Emperor Giorgio, we think probably back in the 23rd century where she where she was from and this is going to kind of launch phase two Alex Kurtzman talked about phase, this is going to launch phase two of the Star Trek universe um, he wants to do more straight to streaming movies um, kind of more kind of make event events event movies like this more and more um everyone's really excited that michelle yo is coming back michelle yo is really excited paramount plus is get like yay we have an oscar winning actor because oh, yeah. sparks is absolutely correct this is only happening because she won an oscar <laughs> yeah it was so I'll, I'll be honest with you like it probably could have been enough if she just was that she just was nominated they would have moved forward yeah. but like it was sitting on a shelf and then that movie came out like hey can we fast track that maybe because they they had ordered a show based on Section 31, after Discovery Season season 1. So, it was, so Section 31 was going to be a TV show starring Michelle Yeoh, and then that ended up in development hell, apparently it was quietly cancelled, then she won an Oscar, and they're like, so you don't want to do a series, how about a movie? Lot shorter, same paycheck. She's, <laughs> so, like, she's like, I'll only do a show for Disney Plus now. <laughs> yeah, I'll show it for <laughs> 10 minutes, maybe. Let's be honest. She looks like she's in it more than that. Okay. Possible. Um, so obviously Michelle Yeoh will star uh, Olatunde Sunsanmi directed a couple episodes of Star Trek Discovery he's going to direct this movie uh, Craig Sweeney who created the Limitless TV series also wrote for Star Trek Discovery just one episode um, he's going to write the movie and uh, yeah so hopefully so Kurtzman was like yeah we're going to make streaming movies every two years for Paramount Plus is the hope after this movie comes out that sounds cool. Yeah, hey, more Star Trek. And honestly, like, there's no reason. So quickly, I'll just talk about it a little bit. The idea of a Section 31 TV series bores the shit out of me. I don't think Section 31 is very interesting to follow for a TV series. Um, because they're, what we know of them. The Section 31 works because we don't know a lot about them. So focusing so much time to develop them kind of takes away their effectiveness. Um, and Section 31, for those of you who don't know, is the <laughs> kind of shady side of, of, of the Federation. Um, they're based off, off the Federation Charter that they're racist. They're racist assholes. Um, oh. They're xenophobic, and they're like, we don't, uh, we, we want... Nobody remembers this, but Peter Weller from Star Trek of the Darkness worked for, for Section 31. Oh, there you go. He was, he was so, a bad you know. guy. There you go. Yeah, he... um, so, that, so that's kind of what kind of who they are um a tv show about them i wasn't really too interested in but i kind of like the idea of a movie and having giorgio come back uh, to star in that movie i think you have a, a opportunity here to maybe tell a really unique story with her maybe at odds with section 31 rather than working for them mm -hmm. i think that'd be kind of cool 
two two antagonists in your show in your movie maybe yeah 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 have like have her be like the protagonist bad guy against the the other like quote unquote bad guys yeah the black yeah, off because she's kind yeah. she's kind of an she's kind of an antihero and it would be really weird for her to go back to section 31 if that's really where her arc goes yeah um she was one of the best parts of that show when she left boy it really lost something mm. um she left to win an oscar so you know there's that not so bad kind of off the heels of actually something else but close around this um it was revealed that Paramount Plus is the third studio network to develop to try and develop a Galaxy Quest TV series. I thought there was one like coming out. I thought that one was happening. Amazon was developing the last one, and then Alan Rickman died, and they scrapped it. Oh, rip! Um, now Paramount Plus is going to get in on it, and Mark Johnson, who is the producer of the original film as well as Breaking Bad, um, he he's attached to this one. Cool fun fun you know fun take on star trek you know but actors i'll, I'll see i'll do another galaxy quest sure why not it's been more than yeah. 20 years i'll allow it yeah i think the um i think they had the wrong instincts to cancel the film after uh, to cancel the series after alan rickman died but i think enough time has passed where you can do something kind of interesting i kind of want them to do a parody of star trek picard though mm. Uh, so like Tim Allen's character is on the like they were they re, they rebooted Galaxy Quest yeah and it's just Tim Allen's character and ever and the conflict is how everyone's pissed off at him for taking this role and mm. leaving them in the dust. I'll be honest, I'm not gonna watch a Galaxy Quest show if Tim 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 Allen's on it. I hope it's a reboot. <laughs> oh yeah, um, like they completely reboot. Yeah, I thought that's what we were talking about. No, I'm sure about. I'm sure they want to get that's back it. as much of the original cast as possible. Oh. At least that's been the goal the last few times. I guess. My thing with it, Brandon, is that that's the same plot as the movie. Yeah. It was the only way I could think to make it interesting, because I actually don't think you should do a Galaxy Quest TV series. I'm just saying, do I the mean, movie, I... but make it a TV show and just add way, much more to it. Just like Westworld became much more than that movie. Like, like you can... There's like but a you're great talking, version. You're talking reboot. Yeah. Just, and yeah. What's, more like, what's most likely is that this is probably a sequel. Yeah, I just I, I just hope it's not because I guess it's fun if you just have hey we're all back again on doing the same thing again like I think it's just right. more fun. At least he's just blatantly an asshole in that movie. That's true. He goes. Then you become less of an asshole. Eh, that's more like does he become less of an asshole or does circumstances just allow him to? <laughs> no, I was gonna say require him to behave better. Yeah. Sure. I. Look, I agree with Ryan, quite frankly. Like, if you wanted to do a, a Galaxy Quest reboot, like, as a TV series, new cast of characters, expand on the movie, uh, do some, some fun things, I'm so down with that. But if this is a sequel, I'm not sure... I'm not sure you can do it again. I just don't think you can... Would you... Would you recapture. That. Would you do that, or would you just start from scratch again? That's, yeah, reboot. That's what I'm saying, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I mean, like, I don't mean reboot. I mean, like, full full remake. Like... None of the movie ever happened, so you have a. Whole That's what new, I was talking about. A whole new uh, Star Trek style show crew that gets abducted by aliens and thrust into that, but like it, you can now flesh out in a show how these characters are going through. That's being put into space and all this. That's kind of stuff. that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, uh, when you say reboot, what I'm thinking of is in the world of the film, uh, 
a new show no, is I, being made no. with legacy oh, characters I, who sure. are now taken into space the same way the no. original people were. That's just... So you leave yourself... Because reboot no, I get is it. different from remake. And if you're rebooting, then you are bringing back at least elements from the original. So, like, if the original movie happened, at least, like, Tony Shalhoub shows up still sure. or something. Sure, sure. I, I just, just separate yourself from that movie. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. Do something new. Don't, you could do that movie again. With an entirely new cast, new script. Okay, here's my pitch, though. Um, Justin Long's character oh my God. has made the new show. Okay. And he thinks the way to make it the best is to take the crew to do into space to make the show. Oh. Because they have, like, communicated technology Sure, now. sure, sure. And so he's trying to get some of the old Galaxy Quest crew to come along and do it, but he's also wanting to launch in these new characters and how that riffs in the relationships and him trying to film a show Get the gang back in together. space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. Isn't that fun? I don't hate it. I just... Not everything has to be a legacy sequel. No, it doesn't. Uh, but I, I do think... About- Sorry, real quick, Brandon. I do think that the thing that works for the parody of it is the fact that that was a parodying Star Trek then, and I think if you are doing the baked-in legacy stuff now, you can parody Star Trek now. It's Even true. if we're just talking about the Chris Pine Star Trek films. Yeah. Like, you can parody those things with what you decide to do here. I'll tell you what. I'll allow this to be a legacy sequel, uh, and, and like all those characters come back, but I don't want them to be the stars. I just want them to be the cameos. Sure. I'll allow that. I'll allow I don't that. want Tim Allen to get attached to a... To a to a TV series where his legacy character is supposed to pass on the torch only to end the series with him saying, actually, I'm the one and only. Oh, is that what happens at the end of that show? (laughs) Oh, wow. It's weird to bring up Last Man Standing on (laughs) the figure podcast. (laughs) That's not home improvement. Um, That was Taz. (laughs) (laughs) Santa Claus. I'm just going to tell you, the Santa Claus makes, makes Scott scott calvin the special snowflake santa claus not special snowflake santa claus but like the the chosen one santa claus because like all the santa clauses in the in the universe have been ethereal beings who have been manifested by the times that they were created in except for scott calvin what who was what who was the original santa claus who was the original santa claus's personal pick to be the next generation santa claus because because he met him as a child who said and he was like this guy understands christmas so you're more telling than anyone me else. that in the first the santa claus that santa claus died on purpose on that roof he didn't die he just dissipated we get to see the scene again he he, 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 he does he was, struck, he was struck down to become something more powerful than tibet could possibly imagine woke <laughs> and so like and so like um so like tim allen is, is like so so I was supposed to be like the Santa Claus. Like, yeah, I really thought like a human Santa Claus was oh really what this what the North Pole needed. I need us to move on. I am really happy you told me that because I was never gonna watch that show and I'm like, man, he just can't help himself, can he? Krampus is in it. That's fun. Well, okay, alright. Is it It was fun for the two <laughs> let's, seconds. Let's move on. Anyway, so now you know the plot of the Santa Claus. Educational. Love it. Mm. Craven the Hunter is going to have Rhino. Oh, wait. Is Craven the Hunter a Spider-Man character? Yeah. I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> Rhino's going to be in it. The Rhino. 
So listen, so the only news you put in here, Brandon, is that the rhino's in the movie. And that is the least interesting thing that I heard out of CinemaCon about this movie. Uh, this movie is hardcore, violent, rated R. Craven is murdering fools. He is ripping throats out. Uh, the rhino is a, like, cool, like, Jekyll and Hyde, like, big, like, cool monster. Russell Crowe rules. Apparently this movie is going to be awesome. And I'm so excited. I've been cautiously optimistic since the beginning, hearing about the casting and the creative team and stuff. But, like, hearing that it is, like... It is the Craven movie that you'd actually want. It's not they're not they're not dumbing it down or anything or look, or, or uh, uh, kidifying it. Um, look, they're absolutely gonna have me until we get to the post credit scene where Morbius and Vulture fly up to him in a desert yeah. and they tell him, "Hey, man, you want to like track down Spider Man?" Yeah, and I'll and I'll sh and I'll hate that scene and I'll <laughs> love the two hours that I watched before. No, for sure. Uh, uh, I just, I'm I'm. I'm so excited for this. Again, like, I wish they would have showed Madden Web footage because I'm still really curious about that movie, too. <laughs> I mean, I didn't... I only put... I put this one here because I... Uh, this was kind of a note because we should talk about what CinemaCon was showing. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they showed a, a, a trailer that apparently really blew audiences away and actually made me... I've never been interested in this movie and what listening and reading the descriptions of what was shown, I was like, oh, actually kind of sounds cool yeah i have a uh hey man anything anything could be good but like you know you just need to see the, the proof in the pudding and apparently this pudding is very violent and i'm like <laughs> i love me some blood pudding <laughs> <laughs> i think you should get that checked out by a doctor yeah i feel awful <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah i just i i am um, i've always i'm always of the opinion that you that if they're going to continue to do these Spider-Man villain movies, they should do something interesting and weird yeah. more than anything else, which is why I've been interested in Madam Web because that feels like the most potential. And now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, you you have my attention with this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Lilo and Stitch got a big casting. Big casting happened with Lilo and Stitch. And recasting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kahi... Kahio? Chada, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce the name. Uh, was cast as David, and then he said the N word and was recast with um, mm. uh, what is it? Ipo Dudoit. Uh, so it was funny because we got the first casting announcement, and before we before he did anything bad or whatever, we're like, yeah, you know, like they're kind of like they're kind of like. Again, we brought the colorism thing from last week of like you know like they should have picked a darker skin character, you know, to fully represent this button stuff like that. Uh, and then they casted. They just said. Like the next day, like, hey, here's that character. Here's a new actor. He's darker skin. And I was like, did Disney actually like listen to? No, the guy's an asshole, and he got yeah. fired. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I actually thought Disney like listened, and they were like, no, you guys are right. Do you remember? God, what was it? Oh, it was Hellboy. Uh, an actor left Hellboy because he was playing a character who was Asian in the comics, mm -hmm. uh, and he left the project. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be playing this role. Yeah. And I love that. Daniel Kim. Yes, it was Daniel Kim who played it. It was yeah. um. It was the the bad guy from Deadpool too. I forget right, that guy's yeah, name, yeah, yeah. but that was yeah. so cool. And I'm like, I thought that was what was happening here. The opposite. The guy's actually a huge asshole, and he deserves to be fired. <laughs> um, yeah, and and uh, so so now we had no no twenty. David Courtney ba Courtney B Vance from Lovecraft Country, The Hunt for Red October, many many movies and shows. Yeah, he's awesome. Has been cast as Cobra Bubbles. He's really great. Uh, I'm just saying, Nanzo Anansi was right there. <laughs> Um, apparently a rumor came out that a, that an actress named Jolene Purdy was from WandaVision Superstore, um, had been cast as a, as a new character, child services agent, Mrs. Kikoa. Don't know if that is still true or if both these characters are in the movie, but it sounds like 
It's just Cobra Bubbles from just the, the casting announcement. Got some got some bad news. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm still I'm like I'm still cautiously excited for this one, you know. Yeah. Sanders is in final talks to return to Stitch. Mm-hmm. Oh. She should be. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Billy Magnuson is rumored because last week we were talking about Billy Magnuson's casting. He's rumored to, ple- to be playing Pleakley. Yeah, that's probably true. That that skinny one? is that that skinny one? one? That skinny guy? Yes, skinny one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that it would be him and Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, they're funny. As, uh, Jumba. I love those guys. Yeah. Sure. Galifianakis as Jumba is interesting. I mean, like, what else do you do? Yeah, I guess so. I I always picture Jack Jumba Black. with a. okay but here's the thing jack black can play anything that's not (laughs) that's true (laughs) i think zach galifianakis is pretty good for jumba i mean it's gonna be a cgi character anyway right yeah but i mean like his his performance will shine through i'm sure yeah um yeah hopefully hope for hope for a good thing apparently it's gonna start filming soon i thought it was way down the line but it's it's getting ready so much because they're yeah ramping up uh yeah, and Moana is supposed to shoot soon, and I'm like, please no. God, <sighs> no. Anyway, um, what do you get if not Chris Sanders? You gotta get Chris Sanders. I mean, a lot of people Monster. can do a Stitch impression. You get an a- AI generated voice. <laughs> oh, dark days, dark yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the MonsterVerse. I didn't want to put this in trailers because this was just like two seconds. Um. But there was a teaser, there was kind of a promo image uh, that introduced what is potentially the new monster, the new big bad monster. And the title, Zilla X Kong, The New Empire. Is this a King Caesar? That's that's an orangutan. No, there's a a lot of Twitter conversation of people like trying to turn this into like, this could be King Caesar. Where are the big goofy ears? Y'all, come on. Have you seen what that head looks like? Uh, no, he's got big orangutan arms. That's going to be like a... This is going to be like, Hey, Kong, why'd you abandon your people? We were here the whole time. I'm going to be the new Kong. Godzilla, help me. Gigan, why are you here? <laughs> I can dream. Gigan! No, you, you, get into, you get into my main thing, which is I'm like, I'm excited for this, but if this movie is basically slightly rinse and repeat of the previous one, mm-hmm. except instead of fighting Mechagodzilla, they're fighting another Kong... Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a whiff. It would be cool if me. just, like, they meet the bad guy and they're both just like, yo, we're on the same team, right? From the get-go. Like, there's no... We don't need to do that thing where, like, we're fighting then we become friends at the end. Like, again, like, we've done that so many times. It's like, yo, clearly this is the bad guy, right, Kong? You got it. Yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. I assume I assume that Kong's going to get his ass kicked Yeah. Uh, by this other Kong and go get Godzilla. Sounds like... Or call Sounds Godzilla. like this Kong is... So at the end of Godzilla vs. Kong, we know that Kong ends up in the Hollow Earth. While Monarch, or whoever is working with Kong, is dis- is trying to uncover the, you know, the the main origins of where this Hollow Earth came from, where the Titans came from, they uncover this guy. This guy is in the Hollow Earth, and Kong is kind of muscling in on his territory on accident. Yeah. And it also looks like this, this Kong is a kaiju killer, because... It probably this might be the reason why uh, Godzilla and Kong's uh, uh, family uh, species are all gone. Yeah, this sure. guy. I think that is like some again from like this like teaser promo. Yeah, thing. I think it's I think, like the implication. I think I think Kong's gonna get his ass kicked, 
and then he's gonna go to a hole and he's gonna shout up bitch to Godzilla and then when Godzilla gets down there what? he's gonna point at this other Kong and be like he did it <laughs> I like I like to imagine that that giant hole where is that is it in Tokyo where did that happen Hong Kong yeah, Hong Kong um, uh, I like to imagine that hole just exists forever, and it's just like, like if you need me, yell here. And he just like he's he's got to run to his <laughs> <gotta run. laughs> He's like, bitch, bitch. I I really I my favorite my favorite thing from Godzilla vs Kong is that hole and just Godzilla just yelling down the to the center of the earth just to fight Kong. Oh, um, Dan Dan Stevens is in this one, right? Like, so automatically, like, he's a charmer. That's great. I I just, I really hope for something good here because my main thing is I, I just desperately want to see, I don't care if it's new, like, not something we've seen before reinvented, but just brand new kaiju, or if it is more tohu kaiju reinterpreted or whatever. I just want more diverse kaiju. So I really hope that we get more and more than just, like, a couple of moments like we did in Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. Uh, the movie's coming out March 15th, 2024, so next year. Oh, also, shit! I, also, I won't lie, I kind of wish the title was better. Kong, Kong X, is it? Is it Kong or Godzilla first? Godzilla X Kong. They wouldn't put Kong's name first. Well, I'm just like, whatever sounds better. I'm like, eh, 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 what is this, Fast and Furious? What are we, doing? we could have done a little better. Could have done a little better. The new this Empire. Is, this is borderline Batman v Superman. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. But like... <laughs> Give me a subtitle. Yeah. Dawn of... The new empire. Big booty. New no, empire. Yeah, it's the new empire. The big booties. It's the new empire of booties. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it's... First was Godzilla and Kong. Wait, this movie's called The New Empire? Yeah. Uh, Captain America... Oh, it's New World Order. That's that's what it's called. World Order. I thought I was like, it's also new, The New Empire. Uh, make a slash or something. Godzilla, Kong... You want to have both of them I think in a there slash, honestly, I would have been fine with a slash. But make it X, like... A little try hard. Two slashes. You you added two. You added one slash too many. Hunter X Hunter. The X is silent. Conjuring. CinemaCon is talking about. It, it has happened this week. Uh, today. Was Sorry, the got it. Show. Real quick. Godzilla: A Tale of Two Kongs. Okay, continue. Beautiful. We did it. Cut. Print. Conjuring is getting a new film. This is after we just found out it was getting a TV series. Uh, the Conjuring: Last Rites will be the fourth film. In the Conjuring franchise, potentially last, hmm? last, you know, last in the last rights. in the Conjuring, the Conjurer, last yeah. in the so universe. Like, like no more of the Warrens. That's sure, fine. that's fine. But we still don't yeah. know if that shows about the Warrens or not. The young like... Warrens. By the way, you guys talked about it last week. I, I'd be into a young Warrens show. Oh yeah, me too. Makes yeah, sense. but yeah. I I do think it's hard to recast those characters. Yeah, I do too. Um, uh. For... Well, I'll wait to find out who's making this movie, my friends. Yeah. I bet it's the same director and probably a different writer. Mm. I wish it was David F. Sandberg. Me too. Oh, he's free now. He's not doing any more superhero movies. Let him come back and make Conjuring 4. Let him come. We talked about him making the show, but like, let him come back and make the movie. Yeah. The Nun 2 is apparently looks awesome. Good. So did the first one. Yeah. <laughs> no, like in trailers, yeah. Yeah. Horror movies are maybe the best, like the best to worst example of like, wow, this looks good and it turns. No, because out like a trailer is basically a short film. Yeah. Like, and and horror ones are are very easy to get across the main thing and and honestly play with tension and fear. Yeah. Uh, Wonka. We now know that Hugh Grant 
is going to be playing an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> this means nothing to oh. me. Oh, that's rich. <laughs> it's going to be a pass from me, Brandon. That's rich like chocolate. I'm kind of interested in Wonka. Timothy Chalamet doing it, a musical. It's it's directed by like a really good director, too. Uh, I forget yeah. who. It's, I think it's the Paddington guy, actually. He's direct, He's the guy directing Wonka. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I have I have full faith. I just got to... And again, I trust I trust the Chalamet. So, we'll see. I just... More than anything, I'm just always amused at the roles Hugh Grant is going for these days. Yeah. I'm just a little Wonka'd out, my friends. From what? All of Wonka. What 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 is what's supposed what's the most recent Wonka? The 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 uh like like an amount of movies is not necessarily all I mean like No, I'm just trying to think like, like I haven't had any Wonka like since like the Tim Burton one like yeah. twelve years ago. Right, yeah, that was the last film. I'm just I'm I just I guess I'd need more to feel Wonka out from twelve years ago, personally. I'm excited. I like. I like. I just want to see Dune two more than anything. I don't need Wonka. I just want Dune two. Do you think he Netflix, wrote a real sandworm? Do you net, think Netflix will rush to get their their Wonka product out at the same time? But they they are close. working on one, aren't they? They, they have rolled dolls stuff, so they have it. Yeah, Matilda rules. That's a roll. That's a that was great. That's a Wonka. It was helped a lot by the fact that they were adapting from the musical. That was very good. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was real good. That's it a was Wonka. solid. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. Um interested to see how this one turns out yeah fast 11 uh louis leterrier that's direct kind of figured that was probably going to be the case yep that's good that's good uh that means that like they like like we talked about the first fast x trailer we'll talk about the next one but just from the first one i think the action looks really good i think it looks like a fun action movie so like instead of having to get another director to finish it why not just stick with the guy I like it make it does make sense especially because it's supposed to like part one part two yeah yeah and christina hodgson who wrote birds of prey in the flash as well as many things guys look up christina hodgson she rules yeah she does um and uh gren uziel who wrote 22 jump street and mortal kombat 21 not much else but those are pretty good you know 22 jump street's like legitimately incredible so that's all right with me. and uh, they are writing the script he replacing definitely, he definitely wrote that soul suck line <laughs> um they they are going to write the script for fast 11 who they're and they're replacing dan mazua uh mazua and justin lynn obviously justin lynn wrote the film uh dan mazia by the way uh, only has three writing credits and i thought this was awesome he he wrote wrath of the titans and fast x that's it oh yeah uh, and the Chris, like the christina hodson thing gives me a lot of faith because like that is a person who gets like big character in action so like um that's cool. And they already have like a pre-established script that they're just going to like, they're going to change and do. So like, I seems like, it seems like a winner to me. She also wrote Bumblebee and I think Bumblebee is incredible. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Christina Hodgson's wonderful. Like her being on this is going to be interesting. Railers. Railers. Railers with a T. Uh, so we're not doing T's. How, okay. I need Un's Luniversity. Mm. or Iny, or uni or a little uni hey i loved tiny tunes growing up did you i watched it i liked mm. it mm. i won't say loved but i liked it i'm very passionate i'm sorry uh no, i think this, i'm kidding that's a joke uh i think this looks really charming i don't know if i'll watch it but i think this looks like like they're putting effort into it uh like if i had a kid i would absolutely like watch it with them i think this looks like like, just like, hey, it's like that show again. It's awesome. I will be honest and say that I like what's uh, script-wise in this show. 
I think the animation, I wish that they had more of a budget, I guess. I'm not sure where the breakdown would be, but like it doesn't look as good to me as the other Looney Tunes show cartoon shorts that we were getting just a bit ago, nor does it look as good <clears throat> as I think uh, it's contemporary, the Animaniacs show over on Hulu. Um, I just think the animation is a notch under the quality that I think it deserves to be uh, uh, and not as um, dynamic as I feel like a 2023 show cartoon should look. Um, and I, that's, that I'm not necessarily blaming them. I'm sure that there's restrictions that have caused that, but like, it, it, I wish it looked a little better visually, personally. Um, I still sure. think everything else they're doing looks very good. Yeah. I, it looks, I, it looks yeah. really funny. Yeah. I am not, I am not the, the animation station that you are. Uh, but I definitely did notice this. It doesn't look as good as other shows, but like, it looks like a show from six years ago, animation wise, yeah. like maybe even more. And like that, that really threw me because like, I haven't seen a new show look like that i think yeah it might be it might be a budget thing because like i i do think it still looks i i mean i again like i don't watch as much as you but like i still uh, it looks in spite maybe looking old i still think it looks good yeah uh all right prehistoric planet season two yeah can you believe that they went back in time and filmed these dinosaurs again again why would you do that a second time um no it looks good it looks just as good as the first one I uh, really love the first the the first season, um, and like like the first season, they're doing a five night event, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and I think this looks really good. I I I really I like I cannot overstate how much I like that first season. Um, the VFX look awesome. It it's interesting because uh, the the VFX look just as good as they did in the first season. So I wonder how long the second season was in development for because that first season took a long time to develop. Sure. Um. Ob and obviously it wasn't just <clears throat> they didn't develop this in a year. Um, yeah. There are their visual effects artists are very good at knowing what like nature and motion looks like and then translating that into these CGI dinosaurs. And I'm like, yeah, you you understand how nature looks. Yeah, that's there, pretty impressive. There are there are some points where I'm like, yeah, that's CG. There are some parts where I'm like. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn, we've come a long way. <laughs> it's incredible. Um the only thing that the the only thing that anybody can contribute something good to the Lion King is prehistoric planet. Mm. Favreau went from Lion developed all the technology on Lion King and took it to prehistoric planet. Yeah, big yeah, big produced by Johnny Favs. That's the circle uh, well, of life right there, my friends. Yeah, uh, David Attenborough's name actually in the title. Now it's prehistoric planet with David Attenborough. Nice. Sure. Get that, get that, uh, get that loot. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, season two. The Mattenboroughs, they just can't get away from their dinosaurs. Never. Um, Strange New World season two. Boy, Brandon, this just looks terrible. What a downhill trend um, this show is on. Is I what mean, he just... would say on April Fool's Day. <laughs> just sobbing. No, it looks good. Yeah, well, um, we'll we're going to get the whole... He's gonna get the whole family to watch it, uh, uh, season one. Uh, yeah, this look. Um, because I remember again, I brought this up a couple weeks ago, but like I had that conversation with you of like I kind of like I would love for them to do like the original the original show, but like modern times, and that's kind of like the feel of what this is. Like we Kurt's here and Spock's here, and like that's awesome, and like it looks like a like a great show. Man, this is like the best looking show I've ever seen. Like that, it looks so good. Like just a trailer of like this is a budget. Holy shit, this looks really really good. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to catch up and watch it. Once again, like the first season, a lot of color, which is a major thing I really appreciate about Strange New Worlds is it's just very bright, very mm -hmm. colorful. And I really 
like that that's continuing um prominent characters that i love featured i did have ryan watch this trailer because i was like it's not really gonna spoil anything from season one it's kind of i feel like this trailer this particular one is still trying to kind of get an audience that's why i described it to ryan this feels like a trailer for season two that's still kind of trying to go hey this is coming go watch season one because you might like this here you go this is what it's like stranger worlds so strange um, I think this looks incredible. Um, I, Strange New Worlds was my favorite show of last year. It was number one. If we go back to our top 15s. Um, it I was in my show. top 15, so there's something. Um, I think it's incredible. And this season looks really good. It looks really fun. I love the look of it. It does look better, I think, visual effects-wise than the first season in many places. Um of seeing these characters back, especially Spock and Chapel, and I never thought I'd be excited to see Nurse Chapel. Oh, um, that is Nurse Chapel. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Good point. Yeah, and she's she's, she's great in the show. Yeah, yeah, she's utterly awful in in the original series, but they like really turned that character into someone that you can root for and love. Um, and we know we're getting an Ortega's episode this this year. I'm excited to see God that. Bless it. There's a, there's a bit in the beginning where they cut through an asteroid with the phasers spinning around. Awesome stuff. I love that ship. I love that Constitution class bastard. Um, Anson Mount looking as sexy as ever. Engage. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And Klingons. Oh my goodness. The Klingons. The Klingons look like real Klingons. The Klingons look like Klingons. They did it. They did it. They did. They decided, like, hey, you know that Klingon design from Star Trek Discovery one and two? We're sorry. Here's what we should have done. And you got lizards. You got the Gorn. Oh my God! I think that the the the, the snarly thing that's looking at Laon Sparks. I think that's a Gorn, like a full grown Gorn. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. big boy Gorn. The Gorn are yeah, nasty. We're, we're gonna see a we're gonna see a real Gorn. I know about the Gorn. <laughs> Things I never thought you'd say. Yeah. It's very funny. If you go back to our fake nerds watch, like there's this whole like opening of an episode that had been about like the first big thing about the Gorn. And I was just going on about the Gorn and Brand's like, I just, you're talking about the Gorn. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I never thought I'd have it. I'm really excited to watch this season. um, And I'm really excited that Sparks likes the show and I'm excited to get Ryan into it. Um, There will be a fake nerds watch series on Stranger Worlds. I got to figure out who to do it with. When, When is it? June it, me, what the what, me? You do it you with me. me. Just, I I wasn't sure if you wanted to be like a guest star or a permanent. No, what I was offended when I wasn't invited to episodes last time. Okay, oh, I'm doing with Sparks now. There you go, and maybe Ryan. <laughs> I'm gonna watch maybe it. Ryan. I'm definitely gonna watch it. There you go. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and then I'll have Ben for lower decks. Yeah, get him to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, the boogeyman. This is a much better trailer than the first one. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the worst therapist in the world. Beginning of this, uh, unless it is the boogeyman. <laughs> unless she, <laughs> oh, unless she's the boogeyman. She's There's that shot where she's like, "It's just your sister and you, and me." Spooky and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." Uh, yeah, again, this is one of those things where, like, I'm sh- this movie could be incredible or, or awful, but, like, the, the, the scares that they're giving us in this trailer are really, really good. Um, really I think, good. I think the most important thing about this trailer is, like, 
that it's shown me twice that it's willing to go like balls out after the adults. Yes. And that makes me really, really like it. Cause like the shot where she's like coming back towards the door and the door bursts open. And then obviously the dad getting grabbed at the end. I'm like, okay, we're doing some stuff. It stars. It's got a little Leia from uh, Obi-Wan. Cause sorry, real quick. Like the, the thing is that it makes you, it it's doing what Stephen King tends to do best in his stories, which is like, it's breaking away those things that make you feel safe and mm. watching it. Yeah. And a lot of other movies in the style of the boogeyman, especially based off that first trailer I watched, I'm like, all right, but like, it's never really going to get that bad. And now I'm like, Oh no, maybe it isn't safe. Yeah. Maybe it will get bad. Ooh. Yeah. I, uh, it's always fun. Like that, yeah, that opening scene of like the red light and you're like, you're always, you're just looking for something in the good back. Bit. Yeah. It's really, it's a really good bit. Um, a lot of like good shadow play um, um, in the trailer. Uh, looks 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 like a good time. You know, Stephen King, Ben's best friend, gotta support. Ben's not here to talk about his love for this trailer. I'm yeah. sure this really like. Got He's really going. excited for it though. Yeah, yeah. He stands a king. <laughs> Insidious, the red door. Um, Bagul. I'm a back. really big fan of the first two Insidious films. I think the first Same. one. Are there I, three? I, uh, there's more than three. Oh. Um, this is four. This is five. I think. I think you might be right, but I'll be honest. If you told me this was six, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, uh, I know that the third one is kind of like, I think the third one is about the psychic and is a prequel. Oh, sure, and then sure, the sure. fourth one is like totally almost entirely unrelated. Um, but the first two are the ones I've seen. And the first one I thought was groundbreaking for horror Ooh. films at the time. It's kind of when horror movies started to like really kick back in. This was also when like the conjuring, conjuring was coming around. It was like like, back to back. This is when like big blockbuster horrors were coming back around in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Um and this is James Wan, obviously back when Insidious One and Two were made, those were Wan. Um incredible. Like really, really good stuff. Um I think the that Insidious has one of the coolest, coolest ideas for setting up a horror film, which is this idea of a place you can travel in your dreams, people who can lose a dream, and then you go into a place further uh, into the supernatural that they call the further, and, like, how dangerous that place is. And it's the place that's on the other side of the red door. That's how you get to the further. What I remember about... I've only seen the first one, but I still remember it, like, like over a decade now, is, like, that movie being so low budget, but it being able to, like, capture, like, the tents and being in another world where it's just, like, the same house, but there's, like, fog and the lighting's different right. and the camera feels different. It's like, yeah. man, this movie... Oh, we, I need to rewatch those. Yeah, and it has and it has a truly incredible horror score. And then the second one doing a great job of like following up on the premise of the first because like kind of expect the second one would just leave the first as the cliffhanger ending that it is, but the second one like directly tackles that like throughout the whole movie the dad is possessed. Um, so like, I really really enjoy those first two films and the fact that the story here is so clearly coming completely back into focus on that family mm-hmm. and about like. I think that's a truly awesome idea and you don't see this a lot with horror franchises, especially not executed in this way where like the dad and son both have this horrible history and clearly for like reasons that totally make sense. They have tried to like kind of brush it away and leave it in the past for Dalton, their son, but he's grown up and those things are coming back around. That trauma is coming back around and that makes perfect sense. It makes sense that they want to go back and, tackle this especially as a father and son thing i think this is an awesome idea yeah i and really really like it it's directed by patrick wilson yeah which is really cool uh definitely got a lot of this was like good trailer and it's got a lot of style to it so i'm like oh yeah patrick get that get that um, get that camera it's literally it's literally like 10 years later um kid after all your trauma can you go back and face your demon literally yeah um but and, cool. I, and i'm pretty into that uh yeah i i would not be opposed to 
uh, an Insidious 1, 2, and this rewatch. Just the good ones. Just the first two. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, let's get Ben to do it. I, I wouldn't hate it. Like, Insidious, I remember the first time I saw it in theaters, and, like, I was ready to go into a lackluster horror film, and I was stunned uh, just from the opening. Like, the opening credits gave me chills. I was like, oh, this movie's actually pretty spooky. I remember, like, the poster for Insidious is in. Yeah. <laughs> is in. Who is he in, the kid? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Ty Simpkins returns. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, I saw him in The Whale last year. <laughs> Um, yeah, so good for him. And, you know, since he was the Insidious kid. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's that's really cool. It's, like Ryan said before, like, it's the kind of story you can only do with time. Um, and I think it's cool to put him and Patrick Wilson back up against this. Yeah. Sweet Tooth, season two. Y'all, I love Sweet Tooth. I got so finish this first season. I'm so excited for the second season. Um, I'm so curious how hard they're going to go on the stuff from the comics. I remain curious if they're going to commit all the way to the complete like revelation of stuff um, or if they're going to interpret it differently. I also am very curious because like there's a lot of imagery here that makes me think this is that they're going for the whole story here. Yeah. And not trying to stretch this into another season. Just in case they don't get another one. It, it, there's some imagery here that I'm like, this is definitely like some late game stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. This definitely. Could this be the, could this conceivably be, uh, from what you're seeing in the trailer, the final season it's possible there's definitely some stuff where like to be fair and you kind of have an idea of this from the trailer there's some stuff with the mom that kind of plays with time like as far mm -hmm. as like when is a flashback and when is it something that they're learning about her um so like are characters learning it or just we as the audience learning it would kind of change my answer on if we are looking at the end game or not um if our characters are learning it we're in the end game mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. okay uh, Ryan, what do you think about this? I, I haven't finished that first season, but I think it looks great. It definitely was like, oh, I do need to finish that. Because this looks really, really good. That little kid, yeah. cocaine bear, I swear. He's, he's great. I really like the show. I'm I'm excited for the second season. I missed the drop of the first trailer, and I haven't really seen a lot of marketing. And it's coming out on Thursday. Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, there's no way I'm catching up. No way, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that it continues to pull in an audience because, like, if they are going for a third season, I really hope they get it because I do want them to just tell the story to the end. But if they're this is it, then, like, I hope it goes out good. Too. American-born Chinese. Yeah, this looks cool. I think it looks okay. I like I like Monkey, the, the Monkey King legend stuff. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, a different adaptation of this. I've heard some people say that, like, they think the comic, just from the looks of this trailer, is better. I'll have to look at that comic. Um, but uh, I like I like this cast. I think there could be something fun here. I don't think it's a particularly well cut trailer. I'll say that. I think the I think my problem is I think this is a really really generic trailer. Unless the way it's cut, it's just like Michelle Yeoh shows up. Oh, you gotta save the world, and it's just like it feels like. Like nothing that I haven't ever seen before, and like yeah, the cat like it's cool that the the everything everywhere cast is in there, but uh, like Michelle Yeoh is probably the only one who's actually in the show for a long period of time, which well, again is not a big thing or a little like it doesn't that doesn't sway my opinion on the show or anything. I I agree with you that I don't think it's a very well cut together trailer, but I do think that the main two boys seem cool. Yeah, and I like the attack on again not being familiar with the comic. I like the attack on like your main character 
is the guy who's assisting the hero that's instead true. of the hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the typical hero. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree with that. That is an interesting... And, like, the fact that it's, like, also from this angle of, like, because he's from China and, and he's an American-born Chinese, as in the title. Yeah. Like, reconnecting with things about his own family's yeah. heritage and history. I, I hope for the best. I know Disney Plus really wants this to be a hit. And it's the director from Shang-Chi, so, like... Yeah. Hoping. Yeah, they uh, know that they have two Oscar winners and an Oscar-nominated actress. Um, they, they, they really want this to succeed. I really hope this is good. I wasn't crazy about this trailer, but I'm excited about this for a while because I like the cast and I like the premise. Uh, so I'm I'm really hoping they, they pull out something really cool here. Mm-hmm. Best X. X gonna give it to you. I understand. Man, I love movies. I see Vin Diesel driving down a dam with explosions behind him. I'm like, you already went to space. This is cool. I love it. There's one part of this trailer that has me really like, all right, what are we doing here? Um, which is where it looks like, and I won't say she is, uh, Charlize Theron's talking to Dom and says the devil is yeah. coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be like trailer trickery. She might not be talking to Dom in that moment. I 100% um, think it is. Uh but I am curious who she meet just regardless who she means the devil is because I don't believe it's Jason Momoa. It's the villain for the eleventh movie, right? That's what I would assume. And like, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm a little surprised that at this point we're going for. But I guess I should have figured from like her being trapped in a room with Michelle Rodriguez that there's someone else. Yeah. But like, I'm a little surprised that we're going for her not being the biggest big bad. I mean, I kind of and top of the food chain because I, I kind of liked her over the past like three films before this being. The person. Yeah. But I do think at this point, like, there does somebody have to be above her. Like, there is somebody even she's she's afraid of. Sure. Uh, you know, it is the end. We are approaching the end game. This is Infinity War. This, this Technically, this is, you know, the scale I of that when, movie. When she was first told to us, when, she, when they first told us about Cypher, and they were doing, like, interviews and things like that, and they were saying uh, who... Uh, who she was meant to be, the impression that we always got, and they, they even said is the main bad guy for the final arc of Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like because Nine really sidelines her and puts, you know, captures her and puts her in like this glass case and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of feels like it was at that point in the story that they decided there was going to be someone else. So I never quite, I, I think I just never quite got over the fact that I wanted to see her be that Sorry. big villain for the past that's four movies, but sure, yeah, it's fine. I, I I get it, and it is cool to have like your Thanos level villain. Uh, she, I, for me, she's in the movies enough. She's been a villain enough. Like I, you know, I, I at this point, if we're doing ten and eleven, and she is still the one thing, I'm like, how much more can she really? After she's been beat so many times, how much more can she really give? To would me? you Would you like it if it's subterfuge, and so she says, you know, the devil is coming, and she makes it seem like Jason Momoa is the biggest of the big bads, but it's really her putting them all off guard, and so like she's she for whatever her plan is, but like she's throwing them off in order to get the upper hand on them for the eleventh film, and like really put them on their back foot. I have no idea. I got I, I, no. I don't know. I think it just be. I think it's trailer trickery, and it's just I might be. She, it could be she's talking about I'm not, I'm, or not, she's, I'm not asking what you think it is I'm asking would you be for that or against it sure I'm okay. for it I guess I just I think that I think it, she's just talking about the 11th villain probably this is the most generic generic thing I can think of probably I really like Momoa in the beginning of this trailer he's really what sells me on this film right now dorks he calls him dorks 
at seeing him be this kind of someone described him as like you know chaotic like joker-esque and i'm like i like the idea of watching like a chaotic momoa villain yeah um because like all of our villains basically like slumberland but evil. but evil <laughs> yeah like all yeah. of our villains have like they have like schemes and like either whether it's world domination or like, but they have plans. And I feel like maybe he's just like, I just, you ruined my life and I just want to ruin your life. That's all it is. It is like the Joker. And I'm, I'm totally here for that. And then, you know, some bigger bad will use him to suffer like in all or whatever. I don't know. Um, this looks like he's having a good time, which yeah. tells me. Yeah, it is. I, I love, again, like I, I'm, I'm fine with the progression of time and how everything happens and characters growing and stuff. I love that that Jacob, Dom's brother, is already in uncle mode with his with, with his nephew. <laughs> I really think that's cute. I can't wait to see their interactions. Um, yeah, I'm just... This is the 10th Fast and Furious movie, so I'm just... I'm gonna go to the movies and have a good time, you know? Second time, uh, uh, Brian Toretto has been uh, kidnapped. Hey, man. Someone's gotta get kidnapped. Uh, and this time he'll be saved by... Because the first time he was saved by Jason Statham, who was a villain-turned-hero. It's true. Now he'll, now he'll be saved by John John Cena, mm-hmm. who is now a villain-turned-hero. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least... Sh- Poetry, uh, Charlie's it is, it is George Lucas. Uh, at least Charlie Sarens, I don't think she will become a good guy. I think we're safe from that that <laughs> trifecta. So that last movie ends with... She's having a corona with everyone. All right, that, <laughs> I, I, I'll accept a lot of things. That, might for me, might be pushing a lot. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. The Flash. The Flash. I swear to God. I, swear to me. I did a Batman thing. Um, Sorry. Listen, y'all. Um, I, every time we talk about anything Flash-related, I, as a person, have to say, hey, Ezra Miller sucks. I don't like that, like, we're just ru- pushing everything under the rug, like, that dude should be in jail. I saw, I saw like, someone giving the take from CinemaCon, because there's obvious, there's been a lot of positive yes. reviews, a lot of oh, praise yeah. for this film, and someone said, I know Ezra Miller's made a lot of mistakes, and then I looked for the comment that wasn't far down, yep. of someone saying, basically, like, sure, let's call, you know, assault, and, kidnapping, uh, and, um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, God, I forgot the term, but, um, started uh, a cult. Yeah, uh, lots of bad things. Like, yeah, uh, I have to get that out of the way because just like that first trailer, I thought that was really great. Grooming, grooming a, a young girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. Um, uh, I thought that first trailer was great, and I also think this trailer is great. I think this looks, I think it looks like incredible blockbuster cinema. Yeah, some of the CGI looks looks bad, but you know what? This is a man running faster than <laughs> the speed of light. Like, it's that's something I can get over. Like, it, this is a part where CGI doesn't bother me. I think the. I think, like, the shots and the way that the, the special, the special superpowers are being used, like, even Batman himself, I just think it looks incredible. Sure. Like, I visually, do. like, I'm really, really, really impressed. And, like, this trailer had a tone to it that the first one didn't have. Like, the first one was much more, like, big bombastic. This one, like, had the bombast in the scenes, but the music, it was, like, kind of melancholy. And the entire trailer's tone was, like, Batman was kind of sad, and Barry's, like, sad. And it's a lot of sad. I'm, like, I, I just really, I really vibed with it. Uh, uh... You know, uh, I think I love both these Batmans. I think they both look cool. Like, I think... And I honestly, the Flash logo at the end that flashes through all of the logos, like, hey, this is the entire DC universe. Like, I like that. Like, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, you know, consumer capitalism is hard. Being ethical in, in consumer capitalism is hard. But, like, this looks like a good movie, man. I'm still not quite sold on it. I'm, st- I'm not, not like you. I'm not... I'm, uh, not vibing with it i for some reason am not sure still um there's a, a line that michael keaton says where he's like you know, he does the let you want to get nuts yeah. let's get nuts the bit and i was like i'm tired and then but then but then if the shot that follows it was like the coolest thing i ever saw 
which is the three of them kind of like sliding into frame as the bat as the yeah. bat plane goes over them. I was like, oh, that. Yeah, and, you really you really did something that I didn't like, and then immediately followed up with something awesome. Yeah, and yeah, the CGI in that in that shot, like when they're all like, it doesn't look particularly great. But you know what? I I will get over that when you give me something really cool. Like you're trying, and like you know, trailer CGI is often never done in these situations. And like, I'm just like, CGI thing is not a problem. I think visually, this movie looks incredible, man. Like the we have never seen the Flash look like this, even in the movies that the Flash has been in. Um, I'm just like, and all the all the early buzz is like. It is this good. It is really good. Even though even the worst people are saying, guys, it's a good movie. Um, so like, like everyone keeps saying, it's the greatest superhero movie ever. I like, I you know that that is a personal opinion. But like it being one of the greatest DC movies ever made, I can believe that. I can believe that. Like they're saying, like, yo man, this like this made me feel something that a lot of other superheroes movies don't. I'm like, I'm ready to feel that. I would love to feel that. <laughs> For this last time that Zaslav said it, because you know he said this is the greatest superhero film I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, it was Tom. We heard it from Tom Cruise, who <laughs> called up James Gunn. Was like, I want to see this movie, and yeah. he was like, It's amazing, man! It's going to save movies. Yeah, well, Tom, he, Tom Cruise will save movies. That's true. He's not. He, he did. He is not wrong there. All right, Sparks. Shit all over it. I, I'm not going to shit all over it. Um, I think I think that there's a lot to like in this. Like uh, Ezra Miller aside, I'd probably be much more pumped. Yeah. Um, like I'm decently pumped uh, about it, but just because it looks like there's a lot to engage with visually, um, I'm still. I I'm not blaming the trailers for this, and I feel like I we've kind of at this point now have gotten everything we're going to get of like what is this movie about, and I feel like there's still like some other shoe I'm waiting that there's the to there's drop. the villain that hasn't yeah, been yeah, revealed yeah. yet. Um, <clears throat> and I think my concern about not seeing them in the trailer is that I'm worried about them like third act not living like leaving much of an impression if they're hidden from too much of the movie sure um and that's that's one of my things but like outside of that um i thought of, thought it a little bit the first trailer but i definitely thought it more now where i'm like some of these shots specifically i guess of keaton's batman in this like battle with zod uh scene i'm like some of these look like alex ross paintings in motion and that that's pretty cool man. oh my god that is that is that is actually a g- very apt yeah yeah. There's one shot specifically of, of Batfleck where he like he does like a whoosh with his cape and I'm like, shit man, that looked really cool. Yeah. Uh I think both Batmans look awesome in this. Um uh uh Sasha Cal- uh, Sasha Cali, Supergirl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she looks awesome. Like I like I'm still I still don't love the flash outfits, but that's just something I'll just like I can I'll get over it. I don't love that she doesn't have them. red boots. Yeah. And I, I honestly didn't even <clears> notice <throat> it. Um but like I think the action looks insane. Like, I think it just looks really, really cool. And, like, the emotion, the thing that the people were talking about most about the CinemaCon thing was, like, not just that it's impressive, that it is a really emotional movie, and a lot of people are crying. And, like, the Barry mom stuff really, really works. And, like, again, that is the focal point of Flashpoint. Like, if the emotional part doesn't work, then all of this bombast won't really matter right. if I don't care about the characters. And, like, that is the thing that that is working for this movie is the characters. And that is that is the thing I could, that I, the only thing I could ask for. It's like, I care about these guys. You can do anything with them. Yeah. I think that my I think that the, the thing that I'm I'm still not vibing with maybe because I don't really have nostalgia for Keaton as Batman don't get me wrong I like him I just there's not he was never I never really considered him my Batman so so maybe that maybe that's it but I will I will you know I at aside I think visually this movie looks really great one of the things I really love about the DC films good or bad is that they all have a distinct visual language to themselves and i really appreciate that the, that those films 
do that. And this one looks no different. In fact, the, the visual language of the film is really something. As Sparks said, a lot of these like look like Alex Ross paintings. Like that's really cool. Uh, to Mag's point that he's saying in the comments, um, it will be the end of the beginning of the new DCU era. So we'll see True. how that lands. And again, uh, like going back to Man of Steel, farewell and welcome. Yeah, going back to the first of these movies is like. Is like it's actually a really cool idea. Now that we're here, you know, we, got, we heard the rumors for for so long. They're like Zod's in this movie. Why? Like, what does it make sense? Like, I I see the vision. I see what we're doing. I get it. Um, like by all accounts, like this the the worst thing this will be is a good movie, and that's just really exciting. That like by all accounts, this is this is a really really awesome movie, and I'm just sure. like I'm glad. Like, I do hope. This is the only Flash movie with Ezra Miller. I don't care how good the movie is. Like that, the dude needs to work on himself a little bit before you give him millions more dollars. Themselves. The thing no, thank is, you. Themselves. He, thank you. He, uh, them. Sorry. Yeah. They. Um, they. Uh, everything that happened with them happened after they filmed this movie. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I guess how with, long with, this with movie enough time. Has been in I guess with enough time, like. Yeah, I, I guess for me personally, I just need time. I just like. When something when you when you do something bad as a person, like you need time to evaluate, to reflect, to grow. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Um, so like maybe in two years I'll feel I'll feel a little bit better about it. But like sure. but right now I'm like, yeah, it still bums me out that he's leading this movie, but man <laughs> but but if asterisk, man, it looks good. Uh, all right. Well that's all of the news. So why don't we go into our bread and butter? Uh, nope, our main topic. Yo, bread and butter, I got it right here. Oh, I can't because we're already on the bread and butter. Mm. Let's go to the main topic. Look at that. We're here. We're here. Mommy's with the maggots. Mommy's with the maggots now. We are talking about Evil Dead Rise, the fifth entry in the Evil Dead franchise, um, directed and written by Lee Cronin. Uh full spoilers guys you know you know the drill at this point but hey full spoilers uh we're gonna spoil every every little bit about this movie so if you have not seen it again if you've not seen it yet uh or again you know hightail it to your nearest theater pause this skip over whatever you can do to not spoil this movie or do it's really your life i don't really care um full spoilers you have been warned what do we think about this movie ben oh shit oh it was me um (laughs) So, before I give a review, I just want to say that this movie was originally a streaming-only movie. And the budget for this movie is around $15, $20 million. It's already made, like, triple that at the box office uh, because it was low-budget and it's awesome and people are responding to it. So, like, yo, man, put movies out in theaters. People will see it if it's good. I didn't put this in the news. Actually, I forgot. But um, David Zaslav said that he... he's That Warner Brothers is no longer interested in making streaming movies. Yeah, that's interesting that's it's dumb like smaller movies like stream smaller streaming movies should be allowed to exist like not every, you don't have to make evil dead a streaming movie but smaller movies should be allowed to exist too like disney plus is doing it why can't you do it anyway evil dead rise y'all i i love it i love it i love it i i have basically no complaints but i love it I, I that's my review let's end the show i'm just kidding i i it's so crazy that we're we're, get, we're getting we're in the age of legacy sequels remakes reboots uh but we're particularly like blessed because we're getting Scream, we're getting Evil Dead, we're getting all of these legacy, we're getting so many things and they're good. Uh, Evil Dead might be the best horror franchise because there is not a single bad one. There's not even a single good one. There's only great. There's only great Evil Dead movies. Um, it's just, it's a great time to be a horror fan. Uh, I'm so happy I got to see this in the theater. It was, a, it was a smaller theater, but the guy behind me was making a lot of funny noises, so I was happy. 
<laughs> Sparks? Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, I had a great time. Very happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Big spoilers, uh, Mag. Absolutely. Mag, Mag Hell yeah. That, uh, surprise that kids can now die in this universe. Yes, absolutely. That was a big part big of stakes. it. Big stakes. Big um, stakes. No, I really enjoyed this. I thought I thought they did a really great job. Just a really great job all around with um, all of it. From uh, the... yeah. No, go ahead. So uh, I didn't know you were done. You weren't done. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I really loved it. Um, I loved all the Evil Dead films. Uh, so there's big no, no surprise here. I think it's really fun. Um, yeah, fun's not really the right word. Fun, fun in its own way. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I, it's fun I, if I re- you like it. Um, I yeah, I'm very happy with it. I can't wait to go through it. So, do we want to read what Ben wrote now? Um, let's just do it at the end. Okay, we'll do it because he gives so a rating get... and everything. So let's just do it all together at the end. So let's let let's get into it. Um, where do we want to start? We start at the beginning and the end. Oh yeah, the cabin. Uh huh. Yeah, because yeah. what an interesting way to start and end your movie with a completely different story. <laughs> I was actually I was actually really pleased with that, considering like how much that footage was featured in the trailers, and I was constantly trying to figure out like who how who? is this how is this connected to the thing? And I like that at the beginning of the movie, it's like really don't worry about it. I hundred percent thought that like our main girl, she's the one who got a scalp ripped because she uh-huh. has long black hair, or so I'm like. I kind of know what happens to all these characters, and I'm like no, you don't. I didn't. <laughs> no, I, don't. Right? Yeah, I didn't think that. Uh... When did you think that? Like when we first started, you thought that she was the that that she was going to be the our main girl, like before she got her scalp ripped and oh yeah yeah, yeah. back with her and everything yeah 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 right. Um, I get that. I was kind of wondering if that was the case. Like like I was like, but I thought those were different people from all the trailers and everything. And right? I, I get but about then it, you know. but then yeah, you get into you get into the film and I'm like, okay, cool. Like just don't even don't even worry about the cabin. Don't even worry about the lake. Don't even think like. <laughs> It's just it's just the opener, and it's happening later. And One you'll day find out how. earlier. Yeah, I was I was blown away when 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 we did those when we cut to to um, our main girl. I was like, was like couple months, and it was like one day earlier. I was like, oh shit, this earlier, is, shit's about to get really messed up. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a good way to like really throw you out off, and, and especially for a horror movie to just be kind of like, basically putting your like end credits at your beginning. And yeah. Just being like, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, I'm disoriented already. <laughs> I really love the the callback to uh, her being able to read the text as the girl is reading it in her mind, and she's like narrating what's what she's reading. Oh, sure. I love yeah. how that shot where, where, where we're getting each word almost in this big like bubble letters um i i really liked the uh opening i thought that was really cool yeah i um what once the movie started and i saw what was happening i'm like okay so like is this the actual movie and like i was so confused because like it lasted longer than i thought that opening with those characters and i'm like then once the scalp rips i'm like okay no i get it okay all right this this is a prelude i did i thought it was going to be more connected uh i thought it was going to be you know like Somebody finds something there and brings it home, but it's literally it's the reverse of that. It's, they bring the dead to the cabin. <laughs> it's really it's really smart because like horror movies usually need and and are usually correct to have like that that punchy opener, something that like kicks the action off before you settle in with with some characters. So that's usually where you get some fodder that dies. Yeah, but, yeah. Like there's no logical way for our family that we follow in this film to have that happen before like with the story they're telling us. Yeah. So there's no way for those things to connect. Um, so it's actually really smart to like, just take 
what would be the like walk out of the theater moment oh move that to the beginning yeah uh an interview with the director uh uh this lee cronin dude he is such a cool dude uh, this uh, this Irish uh, like independent filmmaker. He's made a bunch of short films. He did a movie called A Hole in the Ground a couple years ago. It's and it's Sundance and won a bunch of awards. He's now doing Evil Dead. Um, this low budget ass movie looks so good. This is such a sharp looking movie. Uh, the for the video uh, people, the background of the of the girl rising from the water and the Evil Dead rise rising up is legitimately like one of my favorite title cards I've ever seen. Uh, and the music rising and it just cuts away. Uh, then it's just a completely new scene and I'm like. Cool. Just cool. If we don't come back to this, I'll I'll be okay because I know it's gonna it'll, 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 everything will make sense. Uh, real quick uh, on the interview front, he mentioned that there's like four or five different versions of a sequel that he's already like he has uh, in his brain. One of them is like, yeah, I want to do the cabin thing because like, what happens after that cabin? What happens to the Airbnb people? Airbnb people who show up there two days later? Like, there are so many th- ideas for sequels, and like, it's just like the, the Evil Dead is out in the world now. And that is what I wanted this movie to be. The Evil Dead is in the world, as opposed to just a singular location. And that's really scary. Yeah. Um, so much. I, I, really, I really think this is incredibly inventive. They, I had this moment in the movie when I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, you know, because of the remake and the things like that, it's be interesting to know how, they, how this Necronomicon connects to all of them. And then, like, not long after I, I was I was thinking about this, they're like, "There, this is one of the three of the Necronomicon." I was like, "You did it, you did it." Um, yeah, the God, I like, yeah, because like uh, each movie has like its own version or whatever. Um, I love that this one we get like a whole ass story about the about a priest. Uh, and like the story there is that like because Lee Cronin said in an interview, like one of the sequel ideas is actually the prequel about that one priest, and he had to kill one hundred of his fellow priests in a in a in a in, a, in like a cathedral. Uh, and I I'm like, the shit out of that. that sounds insane. Right. Uh, Bruce Campbell was one of the voices in that tape too. But that's awesome. So I'm glad you brought that up because what's what's incredible is that Lee Cronin himself is like, is that Ash? It could be <laughs> Ash. And I'm like, I'd watch that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is just that is a I love, uh, uh, I guess we get it, yeah I I love the the listening of the tapes I love the uh, 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 the modern version of it I love the zoom in of the speakers going Kondok. like it's mm. just so spooky, um, I just I just love this movie everything yeah, I'm gonna I really say like, is just I love it. I really like how they use the Necronomicon. Those are kind of like focusing on the Necronomicon, how it's um how it uh. Uh, flips to the page of whatever demon we're about to meet. Um, like we, like when when the mom is getting possessed, it flips to this page, and then when the daughter gets possessed, it flips to a different page, and then yep. when they're morphing, it flips to the other page. Right. Uh, I think that's a re- that's a really cool device they used. Absolutely. Um, much to Mag's point, I'm still happy they have Raimi's style, camera styles, all the angles and close-up shots of the camera shaking. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite things was the opening of the film that was the drone and the fake out of like what you anticipate to be the evil moving and it was a drone camera. Oh, it's so good. I thought good. that was very smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do a great job. They do a great job of all the close-ups and, and uh, tilting and, and how they, they 
do everything that they do to get still give it the vibe of like you know what this is you know this is the the deadites you know this is evil dead the uh uh the mom spends a, a like a portion of the movie outside and we there's like there's the the like the eye hole camera view that we spend a lot of time in that is such a scary a scary viewpoint because it's not just the mom being really creepy you see all the people in the apartments just like getting murdered on the sides and running away and you just hear the carnage you don't see the carnage oh god seeing I... seeing in horror movie, like hearing it and not seeing it is so it's the jaws baby it's so good i really like how this movie sets up and pays off um basically everything it sets up in the first act is paid off in the third act the scissors um, uh, the the scissors the wood chipper the uh the um Stephanie Stabith- St- Stephanie Stephanie that weird um, girl uh, I really uh I, I found that really effective and you know it's it's a simple narrative tool but it pays off in really interesting ways and in really big ways when you're doing a horror movie um that I was I'm really appreciative exists I think especially um, because like I don't think any of them felt obvious no. like you were like ah, this is the moment when we use the yeah. scissors. Ah, this is the moment where she uses Stephanie. Yeah. Like, you weren't anticipating it until, like, seconds before it happens. The scissors one specifically, it's like, that's a good checkoff scissor. Because I completely <laughs> forgot she threw those scissors away. I completely forgot. Love it. And the, 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 the even the bathtub water, like, there's a lot of, like, setup and payoff that, that, really, that really effectively works in the, in the movie. The point that I wanted to make though about that but is lost now lost created by david well, lindelof and jj abrams music by Michael uh, Giacchino. oh the 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 peephole uh moments are really great especially when she's terrorizing the hallway residents and yes. i really love that moment as obviously these characters were introduced as cannon fodder and mm-hmm. i knew it immediately um but i didn't expect you never expect children to die. And what what I think is such an effective of uh, scare is when the one guy loses his eye, it goes it chokes the dude, it chokes the one kid's death and then in the people you see the one kid run away and they get thrown back into the wall with no arms and you're yeah. like, "Oh shit." Yeah, that um that eyeball sequence is like straight out of uh From Hell. Like there's like uh, in various other horror movies, but like a Sam Raimi movie where the evil witch like spits an eye out and it lands in her mouth. Um, I love that. Um, yeah, the man, this movie is so violent and it's so gory and it looks so good and there's so much blood. Uh, that blood elevator. Uh, watching a bunch of interviews with, with with those actors, they hated it. It was so sticky. It was all old because they had they had to import that blood because they were in New Zealand or something filming the movie, and like they had to use old blood so it smelled bad, and they were just covered in it for weeks. And like they they hated doing it, but it, it looks really good, and that's what's important. I love the <laughs> always uh, effective for me. Good yeah. shining reference, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think I, much to your point, Brandon, of what you were bringing up, that, that the moment all the neighbors are there, I'm like, yeah, these are all the people that die. But I did think that they're all the people that die throughout the film so that we don't kill the kids. Yes. Um, so yeah. like killing the kids, like taking the uh, two older kids out, I was like, ah, oh, God, I really, I just didn't think this is where we were going. So like when we get to, back to, um... Bridget and she's up on the on the counter and everything. I'm like, oh, she's gone. No, got it. She's got like glass. before that. I thought she was gonna like get the evil out of her somehow. Yes. Um, but like, nah. Because we because we definitely see in the trailer that she's she's dead eyed. So I I also assumed she was gonna get saved. No, she gets burned on fire. 
yeah, you get this impression like, oh, well, maybe she has to save the kids in order, but she can't save the mom, and that's how this ends. But um, and even even up until the till they all morphed, I was like, oh, they can still save the kids, yeah. But then they all morphed, and I was like, oh no, they all die. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Once like once Danny uh starts getting like stabbed, stabbed, I'm like, oh, that's murder. Right. <laughs> oh no, nobody is safe in this movie. <laughs> What great imagery too! Like the the you just see um you just see the two the two kids walking in the hallway and then the sh- the kid under the sheet just hobbles. Oh in. my god! Terrifying. The first one, the first one's a little more subtle than the second one. It's but like man, that is some good. It's also really funny, man. This movie's also mm. like, it's not Evil Dead too funny, but like it is just like Evil Dead. Like it has really, it's got comedy chops to it. Right. There's certainly like really funny scenes. Yeah. Um, like great uh physical uh, comedy horror stuff happening. Uh, the monster, the big uh, family monster, it's called the Marauder, by the way. The Marauder. That's a... Uh, that's a woman dude. who plays the mo- the mom, who also the main deadite. Elisa um, Sutherland. Oh, yeah. Elisa Sutherland, thank you. Is incredible as this deadite. Uh, probably my favorite deadite performance yeah. of the limited what we've had. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I adore, I adored this dead. We spend so much time with her too. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's a much more prevalent threat than we've seen before. Um, except the exception only being maybe Ash's sister in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really thought she was super effective and there's, there's one moment in the people again, the people stuff is, is, is all, all great. I have nothing but great things to say about anything in the people but she, the the daughter the little girl looks through the peephole and doesn't say anything mm-hmm. and then the deadite gets like floats up it's like oh there you are right i just got chills i i love deadites like they are they are pure just chaos like i love that like so nasty they're just so nasty and they will do anything they will say anything to get, and they have, to get your soul and they have such a good time yeah doing everything they do yeah and they the worst thing is, is like they have all the memories and all the love that that they experience, like with that other person. So like they can use that against you, and like oh, it's nothing a big kiss from mommy. There's can't something, fix. there's Ugh. something about it that feels just so much more sinister than your typical like possession in other films. Yes, um, yeah, and and I think they bring that across really well here. It's it feels very like nasty and mean and like uh, chaotic and uh, like they are reveling in it. Yeah, as they do it. Um, I, I really find it effective. I will say, like, uh, just because we're talking about Alyssa Sutherland's um, performance as Ellie, mm-hmm. uh, I really, like, she gets a moment that most don't in uh, Evil Dead stuff, which is that she has, like, the glimmer of her last, like, moment to her sister where she says, um, it's in me, don't let it take my babies. Yeah. And then she effectively dies. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool that she got to have that last breath and then everything after that is like the thing just being blatantly like yeah your mom's gone <laughs> i i love and it's it's not like a big deal i think to like to like most folk but like this is a movie where our two leads are like cool young alternative women right and the and the main deadite she is a mother who's covered in tattoos you know wearing booty shorts like she's a cool young mom right uh and that's just a really cool thing to see like it's like is. i i know it's a silly thing but like tattoo representation is not a real thing i care about <clears throat> but just seeing regular people have tattoos and like people have tattoos 
like like they being in movies that is such a cool thing to see and having um can you what is the what is the um sister's name the the hero sister's name her name her character name is beth she's beth. lily sullivan lily sullivan uh these are both australian actresses uh they're both fantastic um she like she being like this punk rock girl like maybe becoming a mother goes to go see her sister who's a mother and then experiences all this stuff which turns her into a mother um I think all that, like, again, this is a tight movie. You know, it's sh it's it's short. It's less than two hours. Um, like, for an Evil Dead movie, like, this this has, like, this has like more story than I ever needed. Right. And, like, the same thing with Evil Dead 2013. Like, that's a movie about, like, a bunch of characters, like, coming together. Like, they're friends. Like, the first Evil Dead, like, I think those characters are fine. It's honestly not why I watched that first movie. Right. But, like, this new one, like, I care about these characters. And I'm only with... L for f 10 minutes before she turns evil mm -hmm. but like that's all I needed to see like yo she's cool she's a great mom she's funny she cares about her sister that's all I needed one of the things I said in the beginning of the review is that I really I was really shocked when it did the one day earlier kind of flashback um, and, and sets up the movie because I was concerned I was like oh we're not gonna we're probably not really concerned I didn't really expect to get time with these characters before they become dead I still not really um, and, and like, oh, we're not going to get a lot of time with these characters before everything starts happening. But I think the, the stuff they've written is great and creates a, a much more meaningful connection. At least I felt to me and, and the, and, and, and the mom, at least Sutherland, um, every character, quite frankly, when they get turned, I am upset because yeah. I think they're all well-written characters that I really wanted to see make it to the end of this movie. Yeah. For sure. Um, they're they're very good at being like, they feel like real people. They feel like <clears throat> they're speaking to the times and being represented. I think that part of it is that like you get enough flavor from all of the characters to understand who they are and how their personality is and how this the family unit feels functionally real mm -hmm. and tangible yeah. in a way. Um, and it's, it you know, much to Mag's point, like we've never had an Evil Dead franchise take out children let alone a family like mm -hmm. um and so it's a, it's a whole different kind of spin on what's going on um like this is essentially your your conventional like possession story is like a family in a home kind of getting attacked uh, and hit with the demonic possession but like it goes so much further south than it usually would in yeah. those stories um i think uh like one of my only one of my only kind of like minor knocks against it is like I feel like I get just a tad little uh uh less time with them as a, a family unit with the mom aside uh than I wish I did mm -hmm. um particularly I guess with Bridget uh I think Bridget just gets out of the picture a little early uh I wish she'd stuck around just a little a little longer as herself sure. um yeah uh uh I, I feel like we could have used the neighbors to buffer a little bit of that room. Just a smidge. Sure. Um, but that's like, it's more just a desire of, of wanting to engage with the characters more than it is any like particular detriment of the film. Uh, I doubt they're going to tear down or close the building <clears throat> after what happened. Man, I... Who... If you find a bunch of dead people in a building, like I think I would demolish it. I don't know. They were demolishing it anyway. They were demolishing it anyway. Yeah, it was... It was yeah, yeah. Well, it's this... going down in a... Yeah, the same yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. Um, it's funny that, like, one of the biggest evils of all time was, like, living under, like, a bank vault in California. It's just really funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I love, the, I love it. The vault, the vault bit is a little schlocky, but I'm I like, whatever. It. Uh, it's fine. I do think Danny gets to be down there for a, 
an exceptionally weird amount of time without the sisters like coming to be like yo Danny or like come down there themselves yeah um but it's it's fine oh uh, you know what's so what's so interesting is I never felt this in an <clears throat> Evil Dead movie before because I I know the rules of Evil Dead the, nothing weird happens until uh, until the someone reads from the book um but the the vault scene was actually really tense for me like everything post earthquake was kind of on the edge of my seat like oh my goodness with the with are there deadites already out there like i started to get worried that the that i wasn't prepared you know, for the for the spookiness to it happen it does it does feel like they're trying to say and i think it maybe could have been conveyed better if they were trying to say this that the book is calling out to danny yes and like mm -hmm. if that is the case i kind of wish we got some kind of Whisper. something borderline on the level of the jumanji drums danny. calling <laughs> calling to like something to tell the audience he is directly being called to because otherwise it it other than like the the crack leading to the vault being open and everything it is like danny just happens to grab the right box um to it, open yeah. up the notes from the priest it wasn't and, calling and all him. that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. and i'm like we could have had just a, a little teeny tiny like, little push yeah. push of of this is why i'll look in this yeah. particular box and nowhere else because he's uh, like looking for something valuable uh some great comedy moments that i'll remember um after l dies uh and she's laying in bed and they go to close her eyes they just pop right back open uh and that made me giggle uh that happens a couple times i think that's really funny yeah. um there's a scene i don't remember where it happens but like either she hits a de the deadite or something happens, then it looks at her, and then she just like crashes through a bit, like through a wall or something. Uh, that's just a good yeah. physical comedy. Um, uh, that was that was after that was when um, she gets into the dead. gets into the building when she's listening to on her headphones, and you can see the her like creepy crawly down the wall. Oh yeah, it's so good. And then the, the reflection. Yeah, you're right. Like she, like uh, uh, she she first hits the dead and then. The next cut is she's blown through the, yeah, through that's, the doors. Yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, she looks she looks so gnarly and good in her makeup. I love when she puts her finger on the record player and unhinges her jaw. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, and just, like, lets it blast out of her. Love um, it. Like Ryan said, just, like, the shots on how they handle the sound permeating over them is, is really great. Um, and again, I love I love that this movie, like, they didn't feel the need to make this, you know, a hundred million dollar giant demonic movie because it doesn't that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, but at the same time, like, this is a low budget movie, but I, it, it expands the world for me indefinitely in big ways. We're like, we know multiple books exist. Who's writing these books? Why are these priests continuing to read these books? Why do we keep doing this to ourselves decade after decade? Uh, oh, because you brought that up. Uh, I just want to add real quickly that I think that the record players are. Um, we've already talked about, I think the record player moment is really good, but I also really like using them as an exposition dump. Um, not just to read the book, but like we get a lot of exposition from that. And it all is really cool and interesting and kind of spooky. Like you're getting really tense as you're hearing nothing's he's not reading from the book yet he's just talking about his day and you and you feel really tense as it's booming over the loudspeaker uh over these over this family yeah for sure <laughs> mag brings up we never knew but can tell that the cat uh the cat didn't make it or not uh oh yeah what, what's your cat take you think the cat got eaten i think the cat got eaten i think the cat's fine yeah 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 Eh, yeah. Go either way. Maybe maybe it's Schrodinger's Schrodinger's dead-eyed cat. I'm just saying, if I, I I for a second thought I was gonna see a little dead-eyed kitty cat, and I was really excited. <laughs> a little, just a little bit. Um, uh, 
I definitely thought for it was possible for a second that I'm like, man, is this movie going to be just like super bleak? And I thought we were going to lose Cassie too. Oh, sure. Once she got uh, pulled back near the end, they cleared the fence. Yeah, Sam. Um, I thought I thought like Cassie might be done. And I'm like, yo, are we like losing all the kids? (laughs) I had a similar thought when when they're pushing uh, the, the, the creature into the into the wood chipper and they're getting all and the blood is pouring on Cassie. And we've had, we had throughout the, like, it was implied that the blood is what's doing it. Like, you put deadite blood in you and you become a deadite. That's when the, the mom put the needle to her head and then put it in her, her in her daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I thought that when all that blood was going down on Cassie, I was like, oh, no. Oh, she's going to turn or something. Sure, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah like, that was going to be the end. The was finale. like, she was going to turn. Um, and that was going to be, like, the, the last, like... Like really bleak hammer uh, to to come, to go home with. The final shot would be Cassie like lunging at the camera towards Beth or something. Like sure, that. sure, yeah. Um, man. Uh, again, like I think this movie, I think it's really tight. Again, like I like that that you know, like it, it moves pre- it moves fast pace. You know, we get to know the characters as much as we need to. Uh, and then it's just like carnage, and we kind of slow down and talk for a bit, and then it's just more carnage, and it's, it's, it's more carnage, and then we go downstairs, and it's just raining blood. Uh, I, I really like the use of the elevator throughout the film of just like kind of sitting there just dunk. dunk. Oh God! Um, yes. I think it's very effective in the way that they they utilized it, um, and that it's like specifically from the keys trap there. Also, I thought they did a really good job of like homaging um, the the way the deadites get at a person, still being tied to this idea of like restraining them to to get at them. Um, this like like the tree vines grabbing her is the wires in the elevator. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a good, like, little, like, visual nod Motif. without going completely to recreating the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few, I think there's three times they say iconic lines from the movie, um, from the original movies. Uh, Dead by Dawn. Yeah. I'll swallow your soul. That's a great moment. Like, Dead by Dawn is so, that that whole bit has so much energy of, like, the cabin turning against Ash and Evil Dead 2. I thought they did a great <laughs> job capturing that. Um, with with them all doing the dead by dawn. Yeah, I really, I think um, Brian's already said I'll swallow my soul, I'll swallow your soul. But yeah, I think the the dead by dawn moment is is really incredible, like spine chillingly horrifying. I think they they really picked the right moment to bring in that line. It was it was uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, the final chainsaw bit. Um... It's obviously very grotesque and like murdering a bunch of people, but like the final scene where like he looks at, like, like she looks at her sister for like the last time, then like drives a chainsaw in her face. Right, <laughs> like man, mm-hmm. man. As Mag said, come get some, come get some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come get some. Yeah, that one might have been the clunkiest. I, I still appreciated yeah. it. I think yeah, I think it's fine. It didn't it didn't bother me. Um, there was also like they didn't say it the same way, but they but the priest does talk about going to the woodshed. Um, oh, uh, to to get stuff he needs and i thought like okay okay (laughs) shit yeah um all right uh anything else just man i'm just so thrilled again like scream six you know we had scream five but scream six uh this year uh new evil dead movie like i guess i could have been watching this on my tv at home and i'm just so thrilled that i got to see it in theaters and it's doing extremely well um, I don't need, like, an Evil Dead movie every year, but, like, I will take an Evil Dead every couple of years. 
Like, if you just want to give me another one of these every couple years, there's no reason not to. Just, you know, uh, do a prey with Evil Dead. Just, like, you know, just be creative with it. Sure. Um, and with someone like Lee Cronin, like, this dude is so talented. And if this is what he can do with, like, a low, low-ass budget movie, I am so excited for what this dude can do, like, in the future. Uh, I think he's, like, I think he's, he's mad talented. The TV series didn't exist. I'd say that you can pair up the three the three protagonists, yeah, uh, Ash, Mia, and uh, Beth. Beth, yeah, Beth, yeah. And again, uh, like to, to fight so, a dead eye. So here's the thing: you still could. Bruce Campbell said he doesn't want to play Ash again, which is fine. But you still technically can tie it into Ash if you want to believe a popular Evil Dead fan theory, which is that um, Mia and Beth's now stories exist in the world of Evil Dead 2 before Ash went back and then came back from Army of Darkness. So the world he left behind that didn't get changed by his events uh, being through Army of Darkness. We got timeline stuff now. Oh, I don't know. I like the idea that he accidentally got himself trapped in the twenties for some reason. Um, but I, but I mean, like, swinging. I, I mean, like, uh, so it's a you know world where where Ash uh, was sucked into the void that isn't the one that comes into Army of Darkness and Ash versus Evil Dead, all that stuff. I get it. That's just I don't know if I want that in my Evil Dead movie. Yeah, just don't don't make it complicated. You know, just leave Ash out of it. <laughs> just bring back a well in that uh, in that uh, in that in that same way you would right because like Ash got sucked through the void and that's the end of his story in that world mm-hmm. and so then you have mia and beth and javi and kelly having their story that's now taking place in that world post uh, a oh, world then, where where ash was taken away mm-hmm. what you're saying would be obviously ash versus the evil dead would be in a, the parallel timeline right yeah yeah uh i just say it all exists in the one in the one timeline i'm good yeah ben's thoughts Ben's thoughts. I'm curious. I, uh, it was fun seeing with this Ben. I didn't sit next to him, so I didn't get all the juicy jump scares or faces he was making, but he seemed to have a good time. Ooh, it's longer than I thought it'd be. Hell yeah. Uh, from Ben. This movie made me uncomfortable, but it was a very well done horror film. High marks to the effects, makeup, and sound design teams where they knocked it out of the park. The story is simple where you feel for the characters and want them to survive. Makes it extra heartbreaking when characters don't, and I love how the movie makes it clear that no one was truly safe from harm. The chainsaw and shotgun are good, subtle homages to the older films. Teaches the lesson to not open creepy stone slabs that were sealed away in a vault with a bunch of crosses over it. It's true. If I see this movie again, it's during the day with the lights on. My energy bill be damned. 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10? Hell yeah, Ben. Love it. 9 out of 10. Wow. What was uh, real quick when when we saw it with him, he's like, yeah, it made me feel awful, and I'm like, yeah, that's what they made me what, really uncomfortable. That's what horror movies do. He's like, that's what it's always like. I'm like, yeah, that's what horror movies are, bro. Sorry. Yeah. He's gonna get to Army of Darkness be like, and be like so tense and like, oh, thank God. <laughs> As the skeleton plays his flute, <laughs> Army of Darkness is, is gonna be like this nice little treat. Yeah. In the midst of his <laughs> franchise watching. The scariest thing about that movie is how funny it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or that I, a skeleton um, can play a flute without any air actually <laughs> passing from lungs. It's magic. I still, I still watch the Run for Your Lives. Oh, I'm gonna die. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I agree. Nine out of ten for me. Um, I think this is great. Um, I was. Uh, I'm so happy to have another Evil Dead film and another good one at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you keep, you keep knocking them out of the park. There's no, there's no bad Evil Dead movie. Um, yeah, that's. Otherwise, I'd just say how much I like it more. So, Sparks or Ryan? I so desperately want 
there because there will be another one of these i so desperately want it to be the one versus 100 priest versus deadites movie i think that just sounds incredible um i will give this a 9.5 i think it's awesome i think it is it is a it's a perfect evil dead movie like it is like again like what a beautiful franchise where like this is a different version of the same thing you love uh it's just fantastic love it uh, yeah, I think that um, this movie has benefited from a tight script, very, very good filmmaking, knowing exactly what they're doing, and most importantly, incredible performances from uh, actors that make these characters really pop off the screen and feel real. Um, I think that like this movie kind of lives and dies ultimately on the cast, and the cast is very good. Um, I can't overstress overstate that enough. I think like the entire family unit is really, really good. Um, like they all work so well together and if you didn't care about all of them it i don't think it would be as effective but like even danny's not like a shit even though it is like unintentionally his fault that yeah. all this happens it's not like he's a shitty kid oh my gosh before you read it uh uh when when bridget is like covered in the blanket and she vomits and it's like because it's through the blanket it's like filtered and it's yeah. just like it's just like goo and i was like man that is wow i love it ew I need to eat the glass to get the creepy crawlies in my tummy. So. Oh, what? Man, I love this franchise. What? A, so unnerving. Um, oh, one, last, really... thing, one <laughs> last thing I did want to praise. Um, we knew the Cheese Grater moment was in it because of the trailer, and I anticipated something like really over the top gory. Like, once they pulled the Cheese Grater away, like, pieces were going to come off of the, the like, muscle was going to be exposed, that kind of thing. And, like, I thought it was actually relatively very realistic to what a cheese grater would do with full force like that and i was like wow that's that's actually pretty impressive i'm glad that they kind of nailed that and it still sucks <laughs> yeah it wasn't unrealistic it was if anything it was worse i really love deadites i love they're some of my favorite demonic entities in film i think they're always so much fun they're really what what makes things so really what makes evil dead so unique are sure. the are the, the deadites Ob obviously I, yeah Mm -hmm. I love I'm that. Glad they, they've, I'm glad they, they keep nailing it. Yeah, I love that, like, I'm sure the goal is to, like, take over the world or, or, or like, merge the worlds of evil. But, like, they're just there to be shits. Like, they don't have a goal. They're just like, I get to exist again. I'm going to ruin your life. Like, they're just, they're just evil, and that's fun. Like, they don't have to have a goal. They're just here to mess with you, and that's awful. It would be interesting to know what that world is when they actually succeed, and they're like, oh. What do we do now? now? We're bored. <laughs> um, okay, shall we uh, Shall we book club? Um, can I rate it? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's a nine. <laughs> Three nines and a 9.5. Book club? I couldn't find... A doot doot doodle loop in time <laughs> for the for the soundboard. I don't know why I did that, but I held my breath through that. It was a mistake. <laughs> it's very stressful when I can't hear it. I don't know why. Oh yeah, sorry. Don't worry, we'll get that fixed. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, it's my turn. Uh. So I, I picked Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm. Uh. Obviously, because of the 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 upcoming film. Uh, this is written by John Ostrander with art by J J Jan Dersema. Dersema? Sure. I think. Uh, inks by Dan Parsons, uh, colors by Wes uh, Zioba, and uh, lettering by Michael uh, Erler. Yeah. Hmm. 
Um, if I if I pronounce that correctly, forgive me. I can't read my handwriting that that small. <clears throat> um, so this is this is going back to uh, way way into the to the origin of the Jedi. This is very much the dawn of the Jedi, um, and I was kind of interested in it because. So James Mangold is doing a Dawn of the Jedi movie, and I wanted to kind of get a sense of what Dark Horse had done already because I knew this existed, um, and you know it's very it's possible James Mangold will take some elements of this, but will most likely do his own thing. Um, as much I, I prefer him to do that anyway, um, but I kind of wanted to get like a a look at what this uh, what this w- originally was um, an idea of flavor. Yeah. So what do we think about this one? I quite liked the first issue and i quite liked the fifth issue um coming to this era thirty-five thousand to twenty-five thousand bby before the battle of yavin uh pre-legends before disney bought everything um i was really interested to come back here because like i wanted to see what the state of the world is what the state of all these char- characters uh like you know the jedi sith and all that and like i really liked issues one and issue five because i think they give me something very different than what i'm used to the thing with the pyramids kidnapping people like it's basically what the jedi are doing but like that idea that's very biblical of like these random force pyramids taking people to this planet to like train them to be like guardians or whatever i'm really into that idea once we get into what the actual story is i found it to be just kind of generic uh, i think a lot of the characters are cool but they sound very samey i think our main bad guy uh is pretty cool he's probably my favorite character mm-hmm. but the thing that I wrestled with the most, I think this is a, I think the comic itself is fine. This is a personal problem. For this being like 25,000 years in the past, it's still so similar to what we know about Star Wars. And if you're going to go so far in the past, I don't want to still see it's Jedi versus an Empire. And we still have like, the lightsaber thing is interesting because there's only one bad guy with the lightsaber. Um, but I personally wanted to feel more alien because like, the High Republic is 200 years in the past. I get that being very similar to our main stuff. 25,000 years, I still feel like we'd have the Jedis in the Empire, and like I was hoping it would be a little weirder. Because the middle part, it's just a story of like these people dealing with the sky in the middle of a storm. And I think it's cool. Um, I was hoping it would be much bigger and weirder. Um, but that, that's just that's, that's how I feel. No, I think that's a fair assessment, because I think I, I'd echo a lot of what you've said already, which is just like... I, once I got through the first issue and then we were getting into the second issue, I was like, oh, the first issue was like what I came here for. But I thought like we were going to actually tell the story, not just like tell summary of how we got to where we are. Yes. Like I thought we were going to tell the story of these people being brought here and learning about connecting with the force and all that, that it would literally be the Dawn of the Jedi. But the Jedi already exists. The Jedi have existed for a while. And uh, like the concepts of like, they may be a little more rudimentary and early going, but they're still the same concepts of like what the light side and the dark side are. And I'm like, okay, this is not quite what I thought we meant with Dawn of the Jedi. Um, and I agree. Like I did find the middle, the middle pieces very, very like generic and standard and worse. Um, I just, they threw a lot of names at me and I was just like, I don't know. I'm not keeping track of anybody. Like, I think the art... Other than like your like absolute main characters, they'll be like, they'll be talking about like Master Blah Blah Blah, who I haven't seen in like two issues. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I... Gibberish to me, my friends. I like the art. I think the art's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, the middle three issues are quite... Uh, I don't know. I was a little bored in, yeah. the, middle, in the middle there. Um, and... I think that, I think what what what's 
difficult about Star Wars that Star Wars does, and I think most people who write Star Wars do really well, is that they don't kind of throw a lot of gibberish names at you at at so so often. And this one really, I think, overstepped. Oh yeah. And made and made like a encyclopedia that I just I I'm not interested in looking at. Right. The idea of um, of force hounds, I think, is a cool idea. Um, uh, a rancor dragon. That's cool, but again, Rancors looked the exact same 25,000 years ago. Like, I wish we could have saw, like... I mean, it is with wings, but that's because of a science experiment, not because right. the Rancors evolved. It does anything. It does feel too close to, like... This is this is one of my worries, even with Mangold doing it. Like, I, I hope it's going to be something really, really unique and, and different, because, like, it does feel too much caught still in the trappings of Star Wars. Like, I want it to be, like, bor- borderline, like, maybe we've only barely even begun to get to like traveling across the stars yeah um oh the thing that got me the worst was the holograms they're the exact same holograms twenty five thousand years ago right you're telling me that it looks just as good and we haven't improved on that in twenty five thousand years right like it feels very limited in its scope of like what can star wars be uh given a, a large range of time further away and and i i do think like the actual concept of what is the weight of 25,000 years, something like human beings haven't even done. Like, what is the weight of that amount of time? Yeah. And, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that, like, you know, when you have, uh, when you have all these characters, um, mm, lost it, Brian. Go ahead. Um, I, I have one panel here, um, that, <laughs> I just, I just didn't like it. Um, it's these three girls talking, and they're they're watching this guy named Seknos train. I like that. Seknos is the red guy with like with like uh, spikes on his face. That guy's a Sith. He's like the species Sith, which we don't which don't exist anymore, which is cool. So like being this far in time, like seeing like species that don't exist anymore is kind of a cool. Thing. Oh, that's that's one of the things I wish that they had explained. Well, yeah, because he's not. <laughs> Called a Sith in the text of the book. He's no. called that in the in the the zero issue, which the first issue just regurgitates all that info. So I wish yeah. I didn't read that issue zero because they just it's the exact same thing. Um, yeah, and, uh, go ahead, Frank. No, Frank. sorry, I just wanted to like I I checked myself immediately in my brain right after I said it. And I said like human beings haven't been around for twenty five thousand years, which is not what I meant. What I meant in terms is like of a uh, culturally, like yes. like the way we formed our culture, because like humans have been around for like three hundred thousand. I know years. what you meant. Yeah. I, I I meant like in the in the way that we've built our structures, like we are so fundamentally different from where human beings were 25,000 years ago with the way we've crafted society in that amount of time and all that kind of things. Um, the idea that we can't expand that same idea to star Wars and like really look backwards at like how, how far like would these things have progressed because it wouldn't have moved minuscule amounts in yeah. 25,000 years. That's why that first issue I was like, Oh hell yeah. Like weird pyramids, like right, kidnapping people who have like, they, they know have the force, like all that idea is really cool. But then, and then it just goes but I thought to, that would be the story. I thought, yeah, I thought it would be developing more of that instead of sure. just like the base. Uh, this really got me. Seknos Wrath told me that no one has ever done this before. Mm, Seknos can experiment with me anytime. I'd like to experiment on Seknos. Keep watching ladies. And there was a lot of that. And I'm like, oh, I just John Ashtrander, you created the Suicide Squad. <laughs> what, so, what are you doing? There's things I really there's, there's actually things I really like in this book that I that I hope continue into canon. Um, for example, the uh, the concept that the so it it is canon as of Clone Wars that the Sith planet is was this was the homeworld of the species the Sith that 
the 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 order took over Corban. Corban, thank you. That is that is that is canon as a Clone Wars, and I, I love that. I'm glad they kept that. Um, one of the things I I really hope they they keep is the idea that the Jedi were not solely on the light. The purpose was always balance, and they, they talk about you know anger is. Anger, you know, use anger, channel anger, but also don't like be consumed by it. Yes. Um, which is a far cry from where we see the Jedi were, uh, at their fall. Sure. Um, and I, so I really appreciate, I really appreciate that, and I want that kind of back in canon. The idea, that, like, the reason why the Jedi kind of lost their way is because originally it wasn't about the light side or the dark side; it was just about finding the balance. I. Uh, and I really like that. I agree with you about that element being in the book, and I think that's that's all well and good, and I, I like that idea, and I wish that was more core in the tenements of what they're saying these Jedi believe in. However, they also, at the same time, go, you flirted too much with the dark side. Go be banished to this planet. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can't... Can you do both, guys? Like, just say, like, go to the planet where we send all the people who flirted too hard with the dark side. That's not going to mess up the balance. Um... And find your balance again. And I'm like, eh, eh, there are more interesting ways to tackle this concept. Well, I even and like the kids, that even like the kids talk about, you know, he, um, wouldn't it be make want to make more sense to take him to the the light side moon so that uh, he can he can balance himself? And they're like, no, no, this is how we've done it. This is how we always done it. Right. I I do I do actually kind of disagree a little bit. Like I I think that um, I like the 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 concept that we're kind of seeing where like the 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 dark side is becoming to be a greater influence in pe- in people's lives um uh ooh. i just i just really think that like that that story is there for me and it works for me the <laughs> the story that that of the of the light and the dark and the balance and everything and personified with the planet i like how the planet has like these four storms which kind of a Rebels kind of used, I think, um, with the Bendu when we met uh, Colin, Tom Baker's character, the Bendu. Mm-hmm. Um, he turned into like a giant forest storm. I, and he was like meant to be the balance of, of the forest. And, and I, it, it was effective for me. No, I, I, I agree with the idea of like the planet and the light. But, but the problem is that like, for me, is that again, these Jedi are, while they are saying like, find, find your balance, like it's still already 25,000 years ago starting to lean too hard towards the Jedi we know. Yes. And that's where I'm like, you're giving yourself so little runway of where to travel. Yeah. It's it's really interesting that they started with the cool idea of like the Yothor or whatever they're called, like these pyramids, and then are like, but we're not going to really talk about any of that stuff. Yeah, I just, like, I just, like a, that's why a, I think a lot of people came to this. There's a whole history of them and getting the people and getting there and battling a queen and Tython. all this stuff, and we're like, we're just going to... We're just gonna tell you about all that in summary and move on. And oh. I'm like, Ugh. oh, you mean once one such was the despot queen of Shikawa, Queen Hadia, who first united the crime barons of her planet, then pressed the service worlds to her service. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of planets that we revisit. Um, the Kashyyyk, um, <gasps> Tatooine. Uh, so, I was gonna so say Tatooine. Tatooine is. I, I really appreciate that, and I kind of wish we were there a little longer because that's the kind of thing that. That's the kind of thing that I really like about the story like this, that, you know, going back to its ancient past, it was a completely different environment than yes. what we see now. Right. Absolutely. That felt like a 25,000 years ago thing where they're like, yes, this beautiful paradise oh, planet. And I'm like, oh, the yeah. The thing I do like 
is is the uh, they don't call them lightsabers. I forget the force sabers or force yeah force sabers that like they they're activated with the force and the Jedi don't have them. The the bad guys do and like in uh, I forget the character's name but like she's the first Jedi to use a lightsaber and I'm like that that intrigues me. Like I would have assumed you know the Jedi like they they didn't originate with lightsabers so I think that's cool that like actually they took them from their enemies but like I, I'd have to read more to learn more about that. That's the kind of thing that I that I was uh, upset about most. It, this is called Je- Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm, and there's three Dawn of the Jedi books. But there should feel like there's three books, not that there's just one book, because this doesn't feel like a complete story to me. Yeah. It it, and that that's why the the three issues in the middle kind of bore me a little bit because I'm like, oh, we're spending a lot of time just to. At this guy, but getting this guy should have been issue two, and then the rest of the story should have been the rest of the series. Yeah. It's book. it's really mm-hmm. funny because this was, this was the last Star Wars comic that came out before Disney bought it. Volume three came out, and then it was then it was canceled for because of Disney. Um, so like, like the, the like this comic, like the dawn of a new era, like this was a big initiative, like the, before they knew they were gonna get got. Uh, like we're gonna tell the origins of the Jedi for the first time, whatever, and like. I'm kind of glad, well, no, because, like, they could take what they want, but, like, I'm not totally impressed with, with their original idea here. And this this happens a lot for me, personally, which is one of the reasons why, like, there's an amount of, like, there are some things I really hate to lose from Legends, and there are some things where I'm like, no, it's kind of better that that's not canon, because, like, yeah. you know, there was an amount of free reign where, like, Star Wars got a little, like, too far out of, it's true. out of the weeds, and, like, on this, I'm like, we've made a lot of characters that I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, here, and, th- and that's kind of how I feel. I will point out just one last thing that I took a photo of, which is that um, we do have the assassin who comes for the Twi'lek, and um, when he shoots at her, he shoots a regular gun. Um, it shoots slugs. He calls yep. it a slug thrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. See, like, another thing where I'm like, nice, it's not lasers. Yeah. That's how far behind we are. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, I think if there's one thing... I don't think, you know, I don't think this is a Thrawn situation where a lot of this will wholesale be taken. I don't think any of this will be taken, but I, I wouldn't hate if the, if the, the, the Yoth-Thor idea of, like, these random weird pyramids from, like, the outside of space came and kidnapped people to, like, basically start a religion and we don't really know why. Right. And you have to figure out why through the Force. I think that idea is incredible. I'd really like to see that carry over, as well as I really would really like to see, like, these... These characters act like we've never seen a Jedi act. They're much more emotional. They're not sure. monks. They're, yes. Um, I would like to see that carry over because I, I like that they all have individual clothing style. They're all uh, they've all got a full range of emotions that they're comfortable with with uh, with, if, a, with uh, expressing. Yeah. If I were to be honest, like what I really wanted to see is something where like other people have already formed a different idea of how to associate with the force. That's not Jedi. It's not Sith. And like, you're seeing Jedi form as this new idea of having a relationship with the force, but something else existed before it. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be very special and unique because that's how things happen all the time. Like something else already existed and mandated a way to, and like Jedi became a new path. Um, anyway, I, I'm glad we read it. I think it, yeah. it presented a nice like foundation of like what what could be on the horizon and like there's there's nice ideas here. It's just the execution's kind of sloppy. Yeah, there's a cool samurai guy that shows up and he has a great line. Yeah, we're like the assassin man. Yeah, the Baron's expecting no one. No one expects death. They die nonetheless. I'm like eh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, cool cool ideas in this one. 
but yeah. Gotta continue. I'll just wait for the James Mangold movie. Yeah. 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 Um, Ditto. I, I was super interested in this and like, uh, it, again, those first, the first issue and the fifth issue, I'm like, you guys are putting out really banger ideas. Uh, I just wish you could have like done more with it instead of just do a, mm-hmm. a, reg- a regular story. Alright. Well, well. Sparks? Yeah. What's up? Book club next week? Yeah, we are doing five issues. It is the Symbiote Spider-Man King in Black tie-in. Uh, we're going to be reading that. Um, yeah, super excited about it. I've already read it, um, but it's a good time. I think we're going to have fun. Alright. Did you read uh, this we one? Don't... I know you read like a lot of the King in Black tie-ins at one point, Brandon. Did you read this one? Okay, cool. I'm super excited. About Spider-Man? It. Symbiote Spider-Man. Symbiote Spider-Man. Spider-Man? I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. Oh, um, my God. Don't know what next week is going to be as far as topic goes. We'll surprise you guys. But it's just going to be the three of us. Again. Ben is still in Hawaii. Hawaii. Um, okay, so, guys, uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Uh, you can check out all sorts of stuff on this channel if you'd like uh, my new my not my new show my my show conversation is back if you want to um see uh listen to season two it's up now uh new and improved i hope um well definitely new hopefully improved um for conversation um with my discussion of karis lund that's linked below uh, um thank you may hmm? i real quick or okay uh just keep an eye out this week for fake nerds watch uh, Mandalorian finale discussion, Fake Nerds Watch, Picard finale discussion, Basement Arcade, Pause Menu is going to have a Jedi Fallen Order review uh, put up. We did this a while ago, but the video is going up uh, as the new game is coming out this week. Um, keep an eye out for um, The Real Score, Episode 2, which is coming right around the corner. And then uh, real soon, but maybe not this week, is our Cinephiles discussion on Indiana Jones 1 and 2. All right, I don't have to. Pl- I don't have to plug nearly as many things now. Look at that. Um, That's a lot of stuff. Bye, Mag. Check out. Uh, Thank you for stopping by, good my friend. Night, Mag. I actually can't see you today. I'm sad, Mag. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's yeah. The, check out all those shows. We we we, we love them. Uh, you can check out, of course, base uh, Figner Book Club as well and Animation Station. Um, yeah, new stuff coming there soon. We're gonna try and do a visions right yes um also keep an eye out for an animation station on the first volume of visions hopefully before the second volume of visions release and then we'll do the second volume of visions soon after that also uh because brandon brought it up we are uh looking to do moon girl and devil dinosaur once we have finished the season and brandon as as well so we can all get together for an animation station on that so those are on the horizon i named all the other things because like they're more or less done and i know when they're coming um of course you can Check out all the shows. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Check out all the shows. A lot of cool stuff. You can of course check out us, check us out on Patreon and T Public if you like to support us financially. Um, you know, plus a buck. There's there are links below as well as on our website at victorpodcast.com where everything is linked. Uh, every every little bit that we do is linked there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching the rewind, and thank you so much for joining us on the live stream, especially this uh, very late one. We're so late tonight. It's Tuesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Well, the joke works better if it's Tuesday. <laughs> um, so, uh, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, uh, co-host of The Real Score, as well as the composer of all the music you've heard here tonight and all the music you hear for all of our shows. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore wreck of time 
or his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes, Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or Instagram at Podcast. Patola, thank you to Mike Patola, wonderful, wonderful human being who collaborated with us, with us on many things, designed many of our logos, as well as um, uh, my new Conversation logo, um, which really, really helped me shape what I want that show to be. Um, of course, uh, check him out on TikTok and Instagram at Mike Matola. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CPR.com, IGRomanMedia.com, and AtomicGeekdom.com. And then, of course, you can find him at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter, or you can find his writings at, C- at OldSchoolGamingMagazine.com, FusionGamingMagazine.com, and GoNintendo.com. Sparks? Uh, you can find me um, eagerly anticipating Sweet Tooth Season 2 at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Actually, I guess what I'm really eagerly anticipating is Jedi Survivor. It's like one's coming out much much sooner. I thought you were going to say that one. No, they're like, they're two days apart. Oh, I keep forgetting the trailer we got is for something that's coming out this week. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that, marketing team. Okay. Hey, you can find me loving Star Wars for all of time at DJ Tony Snark 616. I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. Some dirt in your eye. Jesus. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Hey, fake nerds. Bye.